Yo, what's going on, nerd geeks and gamers alike? It's your boy Nerdy Nick back with the best friend Josh. <laughs> Yo, for another episode of the N Squared Podcast. We're sorry we missed you yesterday. Um, it just so happened that adulting, uh, you know, and, and growing up stuff takes precedence. So, with life, you know, you've gotta you've gotta take care of those things before you can take care of the fun stuff. Right. So. Anyways, tonight is going to be a fun time. We're going to do um, a brief episode of the audio podcast, the N Squared podcast. We're combining yesterday and today. So, it's going to be... First segment of the show is going to be... Um, and that's a threat not asking. <laughs> damn right. Damn right. Uh, so, anyways, today the first uh, section of the the stream is going to be the podcast, and we have a topic to go over. And then also, the second half is going to be Tuesday Night Arcade, where every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., aside from tonight, of course, we stream fun games. We'll say that. An arcade type of experience where you get to interact with us while we play some just easy to pick up and play games. Mm -hmm. It's totally opposite from our Thursday night, which is Thursday night throwdown, where we play a little bit more of a serious kind of game. It might be competitive, it might be a fighting game, a wrestling game, um, but something that is uh, a little bit more hardcore. So, we've got Alex in the house. Hey boys, good to see you at Game On Expo, even if it was just for a moment. Alex, yes, dude, I am, I feel so terrible about that, because I was getting pulled in like 20 different directions all, all at once, and I didn't even get to see the entire floor until Sunday. So, it was great seeing you though. I think in March, hopefully you guys are there. I know you said you've got something else going on with um, like another event. But if you happen to be there in March, I will make sure to see you Friday. Oh, for the uh, the new days for stuttering. Expo? Stuttering st uh, says uh, your title says Thursday night throwdown. Well, fuck it, we're going live. <laughs> I, I don't, I can't change it now. I don't think, right? I mean, maybe you can stuttering since you're moderator. I have no idea. Well, you know what? Today, today is Thursday. We're changing it. <laughs> yeah, today is Thor's day. You know, time is a construct anyway, so what does it matter? Um, so yeah. Age-old question. What's up? What's up, what's up? Just fucking answer the question. <laughs> Fuck. Um, not much, dude. Just fucking busy getting work done, you know, past few days. You know, because I'm on call, so. Do you have my vape? No, I don't. I have no idea where it's at. It's probably over there. You keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it, yeah. No, I've just been busy with work, dude. Just, um, I hate being on call. I'll tell you that. How many times have you been called out? Um, since Saturday, at least like four times probably. But mainly during like regular work hours is when I got called out. So I'm thankful for that, but still, it was a pain in the ass. So, you know, you gotta play some Destiny while, you know, on my time off, enjoying the new season. 
which I don't know if anybody else here, you know, that's watching plays Destiny, but if you do, throw that tag out. Maybe, you know, play together sometime. You guys are stuck with Josh for a minute. Have fun. Dude, toodles. What are we drinking tonight, Sutter Instick? I am drinking Coors. Coors is, you know, Bound good it. for the price. <laughs> that took you long, huh? Yeah. It's right on the fucking kitchen counter. Oh. <laughs> what about you, Sutter Instick? What are you drinking? We got Coors. Oh, God. Fucking aim it that way, motherfucker. <laughs> Artemis says, Thor's Day with tacos. So, yeah, you've got the muscles, and then we just need to get some tacos. I've got tortillas. I mean, I plenty of tacos. I'm, I make up for the muscles. Josh makes up for the tacos because he's Mexican. So, it works out all around. And for those of you who see this, yeah, I'm a little bit Mexican, too, so I can say it. <laughs> Mexican isn't like a freaking racial slur or something. It's... Well, I made a, a ethnical joke. I approve it, so it doesn't matter. Screw what they think. So does my mustache. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are y'all's top beers? And I have Michelob Ultra. Ooh, speaking of Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a Mexican beer down here. <laughs> you go to any any fucking you know grill out or party or whatever. If there's Mexicans, they're drinking Michelob Ultra. Yeah. It's funny you don't even see like Tecate or or uh, Pacifico or none of that. Not it's, even Modelo. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. That's an Arizona thing. Back home, all they drink is Corona and Modelo, and a few of them drink Dos Equis. Well, see though, like that's. You say you're so far from Mexico, the Mexican style is different over there. Yeah, it's very the the poor Mexican style. That's what it is. Ah, yeah. I, I don't know, dude. I mean, well, the thing is, like, all right. So the Mexicans we have over there, <laughs> stuttering with the laughing and the rock. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, the Mexicans we have over there are the ones that are you know trying to get as far away from the border as possible. Yeah. The ones here are the ones that can you know. They try not to get caught. Oh, no, no, the ones here are the ones that are, <laughs> no, like... No, over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the ones here are, like, it doesn't matter, because, yeah. you know, I'm here legally. And I should just say, guys, if, I mean, if you've been listening to us for a long time or know anything about us, we're, we're crude humor, okay? We're not DC, 100%, you know, and everything. Um, so, please, don't take what we're saying too literally. We are idiots. Mm. I mean, that's just an understatement, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So Artemis says, my dad from my dad's from Colorado, so he's a Coors Gold man. Coors Gold, what's that? Is that the banquet ones? What? It says Coots. Coots? Oh, he must. Yeah, I guess he misspelled it Coors. Well, yeah, because the R and the T are right next to each other on the keyboard. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yep, yep. Yep. See, there you go. Well, is, is Coors Gold? What, what is? I don't think I've heard of Coors Gold. Me neither. But Typically, I'm, I'm a Miller guy. But we got to answer Stutterin's question. Yeah. All right. So Stutterin, <laughs> since you're a moderator, you get this one for free. Uh, we should also say real quick too, guys, if you want to ask us a question and interrupt the the podcast, just drop us a tip. Um, tonight, I'm saying any amount's cool, a, a dollar and above. However you feel. Yeah. yeah, the golden can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I've seen those. I've never tried them. The bake. Yeah, it's like, um, 
It's like more of a logger than a Coors Light is, obviously. Oh, okay. So, stuttering. My top beer. Um... So I'm not as like artsy fartsy and like super into craft beers because I just, I don't know. Everyone's a fucking hipster in that scene, you know? <laughs> but I'll, I'll give a couple of, of, of options here. Um, one I, that I really like is um, 805. That's a good one. Yeah, I forgot. Um, Firestone Walker makes that one. I like 805. It's a pretty commercially uh, available beer that's not like on the cheap end of things. I also, yeah. I also really like. Um, God dang it! Um, Describe it. No, it's a big wave by the Kahuna one. I don't think it's Kahuna. It does start with a K though. Oh. Oh God. <laughs> Here, now I'm gonna have to pull it up. Pull that shit up, Jamie. Yeah. Um, big wave beer. Uh, Kona. It is by oh, yeah. Kona Brewing Company. Yeah. That's a really good one. I like it. It's pretty smooth. It's a decent uh, lager. Uh, you know, and there's also Sam Adams, as Dave Chappelle would say, it'll get you drunk! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, I'm a seasonal person, man. So, like... When Oktoberfest comes around, I start picking that up. Um, during the summer, I do like stuff that's a lot lighter to drink. Um, you know, like the summer shandies, uh, the lemon lemon flavors. Um, during the winter, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm... During the winter, it, it's kind of st stupid, but I do like uh, Moosehead during the winter. Really? I think it's because it's a Canadian beer, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, Canada, it's cold over there. <laughs> so they. <coughs> I don't know. I will say, like, Moosehead, I like that one year round. Yeah, I could. But my favorite beer, I hate it, but they don't have it here in Arizona. What is it? Uh, Yingling. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a. Yeah, it's that's an East Coast beer. Yeah, it's from. Uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it might be a Philly beer from Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I know, like, Britt's dad loves the fuck out of that beer. And then also Jim and Brian from Drink a Beer, Play a Game drink the shit out of the, the, the Yingling. Oh, dude. I don't know how to spell it, though. It, it's uh, it's Y-E-U. Y -E -U. Y -E -U. Oh, no, I was right. Oh, it is Y-E-U? No, it's Y-U-E. Yeah, whatever. That's how I typed it. Yeah. <laughs> um... So it is from Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Yeah, there you go. You got it right. Yeah, I know my beer. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh. Have you ever tried it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brit's uh, Brit's dad let me have one uh, last year. Wait, how did he get it? Got it shipped over or or brought it on the plane? I can't remember. Ooh, you gotta ask him for me. I, I want to get some. What'd you think of it? It was, it was a light beer or a whatever. I mean, it was okay. Oh, damn. It, to me, it was like a Miller Lite. It wasn't like anything. Your palate hasn't been refined enough. No, it has. <laughs> it has. I don't appreciate you talking down on my, my beer having experience in my life. <laughs> 
Oh, no, I mean, I get it. I get how, where you're coming from, but it's a different taste in Miller. The way Miller doesn't taste like Coors. Listen, I didn't say it tastes the same. I said like. Okay, okay. It's, listen, even Jim and Brian will tell you this. Mm-hmm. Yingling is your run-of-the-mill white lager. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that is spectacular about it, but it's good. Yeah, that's why I like it. It's passable. You know what I mean? But I mean, I'll have Natty Light, and that's passable to me, too. Touche. Touche. You know, as long as it's not... Okay. So, And this isn't me jumping on the hate Bud Light bandwagon, but... Bud Light is like water. There is there is Bud Light, and then there's the other light beers, like Miller Light, <laughs> Coors Light. Yeah. Those are are above. I mean, what we should do, you know what we should do? We should do like a blind, like a like a Pepsi challenge, but with beers. And guess what beers they are? Oh. We can be told what beers are in it, Just, like like can't... in the lineup, but we don't know which ones are yeah. what. Oh, we definitely gotta do that. We should that. do that. We gotta do that. We'll do that. No, I, that, like... I don't like chocolate stouts, though. That shit makes my mouth all, like, uh, like, cotton mouthy or whatever. Like, sticky. Oh, yeah, no. Like, yeah. I, I have, like, a love-hate for them, because there's some that are, you know... They're bearable, but, like, one bottle at a time. You know? I, I suppose, yeah. I mean, like, you have one, and you feel like you ate a whole loaf of bread. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, one bottle yeah. at a time. It's like, you have one, and you're done. You know, that's, you know, for me, like, Yingling, yeah, it's not, like, some high-end beer. But for me, it does taste better than, like, Coors Light or Miller Light. You know, it's not like, uh, yeah. like, have you ever gone, uh, seen the, like, the expensive section uh, of beer in Total Wine? Yeah, I've seen, like, a bottle of beer for, like, 50-something bucks. Yeah, and it doesn't taste like a $50 dollar bottle of beer I would, I would just oop nip slip. <laughs> that doesn't fuck up our terms of service. Um, no, I I would never, in my right mind, buy a fifty something dollar bottle of beer. And listen, I would even be hard pressed to buy like a twenty five dollar bottle of beer because mm-hmm. to me, as long as it doesn't taste like piss water, <laughs> beer is beer. And also. I think I've ruined IPAs for myself. Well, the thing is, IPAs are for a certain type of people. You right, and everyone always says, "Oh, it's an acquired taste. You'll you'll get to like it." It's not to me. It's not. When I had my very first IPA, I was like, "Wow, this tastes like what urinal piss would taste like in my mind." <laughs> you know, like it's so fucking like bitter. Like yeah, like bitter. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's the hops. Do you get the citrus? In the... And I'm like, no! I don't fucking get all the aromas and the artsy-fartsy bullshit. Yeah. I'm no. getting drunk, but I'm not getting anything that tastes good. The you thing know, is... There... Oh, hold on, though. There is one IPA that I found that tastes nothing like IPAs, and it's called uh, Juice Force, and that's from... Um, Voodoo Ranger. Oh, okay. Yeah. Voodoo Ranger has some decent flavored ones. But... I, and I do like their 1985 IPA. I haven't tried that one. Okay, so here's the deal with them, though. Mm. 
with them, the fucking can and box art always fucking pulls me in. <laughs> you know, and like with 1985, it's got some pretty cool fucking artwork. Uh, it's very, very retro. And uh, Juice Force has him in a, uh, a pilot jump, <coughs> jumper and everything. But oh, with, I've seen that one. With yeah. that one, it tastes like fruit punch. Yeah. It tastes nothing like an IPA. I mean, it's dangerous like that. Oh, I And know. it's also like 9 or 10%. So you're like... Like, the thing is, they have a lot of ones that, you know, they taste... They have that juicy flavor, but at the same time, a very strong hoppy flavor to it. And I hate that. So the juicy ones without the hoppy flavor, those yeah. are cool. I like those. There was... I don't think it was Voodoo Ranger. There was one... I don't... Were you there? I don't remember. There was one we tr- I tried once. Well, you... Where? It, it was from Total Wine. I don't remember where I Excuse had Excuse me. It. I tried a variety pack of beer. There you go, Sean. That was a burp. <laughs> that was a more suitable one <laughs> than all the other ones. <clears throat> um, it tasted like an ashtray. That's, that's what I can tell you. I well, no, that... One. No, that was my Metallica one. Was it the Metallica? From Stone. Was it Stone? Yeah, because it was a Stone Metallic. It was like, yeah, Stone Brewing Company's uh, Metallica one. Oh. And that yeah. one we we said tasted like a fucking bowling alley smells. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like ashtray or whatever. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was. Bad. It was not good. It was. It, that was one of the IPA. It was an IPA, right? No, it was a. Uh, was it? No, it was a. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, like. It's been a while since we had that. What so is Guinness? What is Guinness? Stout? Stout. Yes, it was a stout. God, that was a horrible stout. Yeah, it was, it was bad. <clears throat> but yeah, um, Yingling's like my top one, but I'm, I'll still have to stick with like Coors Light, uh, Miller Light for everyday stuff. Um, there's one that I like to get that's a little bit on the expensive side and it's like special occasions. It's called Wells Banana Bread Beer. Oh, yeah. It's expensive though. $10 for a four-pack. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to f- see that... Okay, so, like, the four-packs are kind of starting to... They have been a thing for a bit now. Mm-hmm. But they'll be, like, 16-ounce cans. So it's not, like, a terrible deal. But I'm noticing that it's... it's The prices are starting to climb up on these four-packs of beers. And so, like, one thing I, I hate is I love... El Segundo's um, Broken Skull American Lager, Broken Skull IPA, you know, this Steve Austin beer, Stone Cold's, but a four pack runs you like $17, and that does not, that does not give me a hell yeah, that gives me a, oh no. (laughs) Yeah, that's way too much. Yeah. So, I don't know. That That's like a... Like a... I'll buy a four-pack for WrestleMania. And that's like what you finish the day off with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that was a loaded question. Damn. It was a loaded question. <laughs> so, anyways. Okay. So, right now, we're at a point where we are going to... Actually... You, you went on the Destiny thing. I didn't say what I've been doing. Yeah, what have you been yeah, doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, 
All right, so there's that, that box right there. Can you grab that one? And then the one on the very end of that table over there? You'll, you'll know it when you see it. I know this is gonna be, a, you know, <laughs> exhilarating for the, uh, the listeners. Mm-hmm. Mm. The, the, the video game on the other side. Look. Oh! Yeah, there you go. I didn't see that box. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <clears throat> I think we did we did the handoff quick enough that it was blurry. <laughs> so Alright, so the um I did get some good deals. Um and actually there's a AEW figure over there. Could you grab that? So I do have some pickups here. You should have told me before. I know, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I don't apologize. <laughs> you know what? Show everybody this way. Fuck off. <laughs> Alright. So, the first thing I want to show is I picked up Sonic Colors Ultimate from Walmart on clearance for $19.93. Nice. And this is the launch edition that comes with the Sonic keychain. I've always wanted Sonic Colors, but I never, I never catch it when it's on sale. Really? Yeah, because I don't want to pay like fucking fifty dollars for a re-release of a game. You know, yeah. I'm I'm kind of stingy like that, or a remaster or whatever. But I'm very excited to break into this and finally play it. And then the next thing I got was another game from Walmart. I picked up the quarry. I got this for $15 in clearance. Nice. This game just came out like last year. Really? Yeah. So this is a cinematic um, survival horror type of game, kind of like, uh, what was it? Uh, Until Dawn. Yeah, um, Until Dawn. Yeah, where you, like whatever you do kind of dictates who lives, who dies, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the graphics in this game literally are fucking mind-blowing to me. It's it's gotten to the point where you don't know when the cutscene ends and you're supposed to start playing. <laughs> and even during the cutscenes, you have to pay attention for quick time events. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So it's, it's really fucking frustrating at times, though, because you're like, <laughs> you you wish there was a rewind feature, because you're like, fuck, I shouldn't have picked that, god damn it, fuck, 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 because I've literally, I'm, I don't know, maybe eight hours into the game, and I've finally gotten someone killed. Oh, wow. Alex <laughs> says it has unbelievable graphics. Yeah, absolutely. Um... And it's got a, like, a literal fucking Hollywood movie cast. That's cool. I need a horror game. So, I don't know if you've played it yet, though. Um, I did see, at, at least at a local Walmart around here, the Callisto Protocol was on clearance for $20. I was going to grab that as well, but I do want to play Dead Space because I've never played a Dead Space. 
I want to I want to play a game in or I want to play Dead Space One or the remake, whichever one I play first, before I play a Dead Space clone. But fair enough. But if my Walmart's anything like the one around you, Alex, you could probably pick it up for a killer price because there it seems to be they're clearancing it out. That's weird. Like, yeah. that game just came out not that long ago. Like what? Maybe, um, uh... probably about a year ago. Yeah, that was yeah. not that long. No. Well, I mean, this one came out a year ago too, and this is fifteen dollars, and I've definitely gotten more than fifteen dollars worth of entertainment out of this game. Oh, there you go. And the game. Oh, God, you know what? I'm not going to talk too much on it because this is definitely something that we're going to be streaming on like Throwdown Thursdays as we get into the, the spooky season because it's perfect as a, a streaming game because the viewers will feel like they're watching a movie. Oh, yeah. It's it's very yeah. it's very easy to... to so, like, the, the transitions from... Um, cutscene to gameplay are very smooth and I'm already doing like I'm doing my first run through and I'm trying to do everything like the the good way I suppose I don't know yeah but the next time I play it I want to make the opposite decisions or maybe mix up the decisions oh yeah so I'll it'll be like a very cinematic experience for the viewers that's good yeah it's really fucking good so far and i followed this game since it was getting developed and announced and all that and i really wanted it when uh i first got my xbox series x but i was like fucking full price games for next next gen consoles <sighs> god fucking 70 dollars you know i know they're, they're pricey yeah and then the last thing i've picked up recently was this exclu Walmart exclusive Wardlow figure. Oh, that's pretty cool lighting, not gonna lie, because the, <laughs> the lamp's, like, lighting it up. The shadow, like yeah. yeah. So, I love me some Wardog. Wardlow. Yeah, so, got Wardlow. Um, I, I'm not meaning to keep him in the box, I just haven't opened it yet. I haven't really had time. <laughs> Same thing with, like, the Adam Cole figure right over there. So, still need to open him up, throw him on the shelf with all the other uh, cast. Actually, I might have to might have to move some stuff around, make another wrestling figure shelf. <laughs> so yeah. All Dude, right. Just have have like a bunch of shelves like running across, just a bunch of figures. Well, yeah, and then I've got the Kenny Omega um, Street Fighter fucking AEW figure there too. So. Alright, so we're going to go ahead and stop recording the audio version. We're going to take a quick break from the audio version in 3, 2, 1. Alright, and we are back. So, now that we're back from that quick uh, break here, we would like to just do a quick spot for this episode's sponsor, Dubby. Dubby Energy. As you can see here, it is a premium form, and don't worry guys, I promise this will only be two minutes. Um, premium form of energy drink. This is unlike your G Fuels and other competitors. Sorry if I wasn't allowed to say that, but I'm saying it. 
Shots fired. There's no calories, no sugar, mal no maltodextrin. If, if those of you who don't know what maltodextrin is, let me go ahead and pull it up right here for you. Maltodextrin is generally used as a thickener or filler to increase the volume of a processed food. So what that means, guys, is what the dosage is is what you exactly get. There's no fillers or artificial colors. It's made here in the U.S. Best of all, unlike other competitors, you're not going to get an obscene amount of caffeine. Every dosage of W Energy comes with 150 milligrams, which is the perfect amount that's not going to get you wired. If you drink it at 3 o'clock, it's not going to keep you up until 2 in the morning. They've got amazing flavors, really cool shaker cups, and we are just very thankful that Dubby has decided to sponsor this podcast and live stream. So go ahead, head on over to dubby.gg, use code N squared 10 to get 10% off your order. All right, now back to the show. Oh, there we go. I got really mixed up there with the, uh, what do you call it? The cursors. So, this past Sunday, 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 down in London Town, we had AEW All In. So this is the absolute largest professional wrestling paid attendance fucking thing of all time. They had over 81, I think it was 81,035 attendees. Um, you have a good thing here. Hold on. This is actually my uncle. Uh, you have a good thing here, mijo. Love you. Uh, good luck and love you. Thank you, uncle. Appreciate that love. <laughs> Haven't talked to you in a while and hopefully we'll see each other sometime soon. <coughs> Excuse me. It's been a long time. Um, so anyways, getting back to the... Uh, the bulk of that, AEW All In, I think, believe had over 81,000, or it was 81,035 yes. uh, paid attendance. That's broken the record all time for paid attendance for a wrestling event. For a live wrestling yeah. event. <clears throat> so, AEW has been around for about five years or so. Roughly. Probably a little bit less than five years. Unless you consider the first all-in, the inception of AEW, but at that time, it was not AEW. It was just a independent wrestling event titled All-In. Yeah. All-Elite Wrestling was not a thing yet. It was, uh, it was a glimmer in an eye. So, AEW... As infantile as the company is, as far as tenure goes, decided to say, fuck it, we're going to book the largest ever professional wrestling event for our very first time in Europe, our very first time in, in the UK, and it was a massive swing. Oh, it was huge. It could have been a massive fucking miss too yeah but it just so happens that they nearly sold out Wembley Stadium that's crazy fucking it was huge it yeah. was crazy the 
one thing I was very excited about was what is the crowd going to look like? Oh, yeah. Like, I was very interested yeah. in seeing, like, what, like, when if they have, like, a drone or a sky cam or something, like, what is the arena going to look like? It was fucking packed, and I couldn't believe it. Like, it was... You would have thought, like, Floyd Mayweather was boxing fucking uh, Muhammad Ali from the dead. You know what I mean? It was nuts. It was crazy. And so, the card was was really good. Even from the, the buy-in or the prelims, the zero hour as it's called, from, from the very first match to the very last match, there wasn't a single uh, fight that... I was like, this is this is horrible, yeah. or this is bad, or you know what? I'm gonna take a piss break during this one. Yeah. I I waited in between matches to, to go take a piss yeah. break, to go get another drink or whatever. I know it was one of those things where, like, you didn't even realize what time it was because of the fact that you were just glued to watching. Because. With other matches, or I mean, other uh, pay-per-views, there's always that one match that's just kind of like, eh, it's alright. But the rest of them are good, you know? Yeah. This one, I was just, the entire time, I was just like, what's gonna happen next? What's gonna happen next? And by the time it was done, I was like, holy crap. Five hours already passed by? Right. <laughs> so, let's go ahead. We are going to shrink our feed real quick here and show you guys this this was the crowd this was the arena totally fucking packed totally packed 81,035 so we were right we were, we were right yep let's see let's go ahead. Absolutely nuts. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely nuts. <laughs> so yeah, um, that was Nigel McGuinness uh, just telling, you know, the crowd. I mean, WWE does it as well. Um, there was no volume to the video. Oh, well, yeah, there was. I guess I just had it turned down so low on, on uh, what do you call it, Streamlabs. But yeah, there was, I mean, we heard it loud and clear on yeah. our end. <laughs> but yeah, he was just announcing that the, the attendance was 81,035, breaking a new world record for a live professional wrestling event. So, obviously there were free free tickets for family members and whatever and if you want to go by like all the people that were in the building it was over 90,000 people in the building in total yeah but paid people that went and paid money to go was 81,000 81 yep exactly 
Oh, why can't I click? Oh, there we go. Clicking on us. <laughs> All right. Damn, there's a heat warning in effect. It's. Oh, dude, it's been crazy. It's hot. 102 outside and it's 7:42 p.m. <clears throat> dude, all day it's been crazy hot. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, I think what we should do now is talk about what we thought about the matches. Oof. So, first up on the zero hour, the very first. Uh, match was Aussie Open, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions versus Better Than You Bebe, which was MJF and Adam Cole. Yeah. Wait, so you didn't want to be the one, the... Well, it's the one, it's the Zero Hour one, but it was right. kind of a big match. Hold on, my uncle asked a question. Uh, he says, you think it could be better, uh, bigger than WWE? I think it will, and maybe it, it is already bigger. So, as far as the attendance record, AEW has surpassed all of WWE's mm -hmm. record for attendance. Paid attendance. Something that WWE likes to do is fluff their numbers so like right there in that video that we showed you it said or, or nigel mcginnis said the paid attendance numbers so eighty-one thousand and thirty-five. wwe will not do that but instead they'll have an announcer go out and say the total number of people within the building and that includes people who paid to go to the show, people who are working at the show, like your con uh, convenience stand people. Um, basically, you know, stadium staff. Stadium staff. Yeah. Um, and then people that are, are like working security and so on and so forth. So they'll give you like the total number of people in the building. Now, as far as a company goes, AEW is... If you remember the Monday Night Wars back when it was WWF versus WCW, um, they're definitely on that status right now of climbing up the ladder and reaching um, the, 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 the heights of WWE. The only thing is, and this is a whole other subject, and we'll touch on it one day, but there's a lot of tribalism in professional wrestling fandom. So you have people on one side that are hardcore WWE um, fans, and then you have hardcore AEW fans, and you'll never get, like the, 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 the group in the middle that just loves professional wrestling is much smaller than the hardcore fans on either side. I am, I would say, in the middle, but slightly more towards AEW side. I love professional wrestling. I want to make that very clear. I love professional wrestling. But I have standards for my professional wrestling. Storylines don't matter to me as much as in-ring action matters to me. So, I prefer AEW's in-ring action versus WWE's in-ring action. One thing that I do like about like WWE, for example, is their production value. 
They always look, it always looks like a premier televised event, whether it be Raw, SmackDown, whatever. Well, um, I mean, the they... cameras are <clears throat> the most expensive cameras probably out there right now. And then the, the stage of everything just looks so grand. And when you watch an AEW episode of like Dynamite or Collision on Saturday nights or Rampage on Friday nights, um, it's got like an old school look to it, but modernized. And I appreciate that because I grew up in the heat of the Monday Night Wars when it was Raw versus Monday Nitro and each show had its had its own look to it. Yeah. You know, so I like that I know I'm watching two separate things. You know, it 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 kind of sucks when one company tries to copy another company so like tick, like, tick yeah. for tat, you know. So so yeah, I think it's definitely on the way there. It's still in its infancy. The company's really young still. And a lot of people thought that AEW would be dead by now, that they would be gone, fail super hard, and this and that. But this company that's so young and full of... They're basically the land of misfit toys. A bunch of people who were fired from WWE, couldn't make it to WWE, got rejected by them, so on and so forth. Are now breaking WWE's records. Is everything perfect there? No, absolutely not. We need more women's matches. Uh, like, there, there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. But, like I said, that'll be a topic for definitely another episode. Maybe we can just do a, a full on episode one day where it's like, the pros and cons for the two big players in the game right now. But that's something that I really love is that there are two big players because for 22 years, it was just WWE. WWE. You know, of course you had like TNA Impact and Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling, but those were not, uh, like those were not the big boys. Yeah. They were you just know. like, you know, if you were a huge fan of wrestling, you would look for that. But if you just watch it uh, casually, mm-hmm. all you knew was WWE. Exactly. But now there's WWE and AEW. Exactly. So the first match on the night. Uh, Aussie Open versus Better Than You, Bebe. <laughs> Great name. Yeah. What, uh, what did you think? So, me personally, it was... And mind you, hold on, I forgot. And mind you... Sorry, cut you off there. (laughs) I'm gonna pull a Kanye right there. I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, the zero hour, or like the the, the preliminary matches, Mm -hmm. were all for free on YouTube. So, you got to watch an entire hour of uh, professional wrestling matches, as well as um, interviews and like the the panel of hosts that were previewing matches to come mm-hmm. which is something like the UFC does or even like when you watch an NFL game you tune in early on a Sunday and you've get you've got like the panel of 
all the ex-NFL players talking about the games that are going to be on yeah. that day. It's basically the same thing, but this is all for free on, on YouTube. Um, so, again, what were your thoughts on the match? Okay. Yeah. Well, just to tag on to that, that's very cool that they did that because it makes it more... How do I put it? It it reaches out more to, you know, the people that are into, like, you know, that type of stuff, like the stats and all that. Yeah. On wrestlers, which I know you like the stats. Yes. You know, yes. one thing you like about AEW. Well, but, that, yeah, that's something I very much appreciate about AEW is wins and losses matter. Yeah. You know, when you watch uh, Monday Night Raw or uh, Friday Night SmackDown, for example, you can have someone who's been losing for, like, nine weeks straight walk out there and demand a title match and they have a main event title fight that night and it's like bro you're not even like qualified out there you know um but i i and i also really like that they do the zero hours or the buy-ins as i used to call them for free because it's very enticing but it's also inclusive so like there was a period of time when i wasn't allowed to buy professional wrestling pay-per-views. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, I would at least tune in for the buy-ins or the the pre the prelim matches. Yeah. And it always made me feel like I got to partake, you know. And listen, not everyone can shell out fifty dollars at a time either, right? Yeah. You know, like for some people, fifty dollars is like keeping the electricity on or not. So like, it's just cool you get those matches right then and there. I totally forgot to put my phone on vibrate. Me too, thank you for reminding me. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> but to uh, to go off of you know your question of what I think of the match, I thought, it, for me, just to start off, score-wise, it was a 7.5 to an 8. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. absolutely amazing, but it was not boring at all. It was a great match. It was very technical, but at the same time, there was a lot of entertaining uh, entertaining moments. Entertaining. Entertaining. That's the new word. Entertaining moments. <laughs> <laughs> but they're closed. <laughs> so, um, one of the things I really liked was the freaking kangaroo kick that MJF did. The fact, like, I didn't watch how that kick was conceived, but you told me about it. Yeah. And the fact that they conceived it at an Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, so Aussie Open oh obviously is, is, they're Aussies. They are yeah. from Australia. So, again, this is why, I mean, so, so let me, uh, we preface this every time, but I am a hardcore uh, connoisseur. <clears throat> of professional wrestling. I, I make sure to watch each and every show every week. Now, Josh, on the other hand, I'm a casual ah, There you go, Sean. Dude, ta- Sean has gotten way more than $3. I know! Out, out, out of burps now. Um, excuse me, guys. I'm sorry if you didn't appreciate that burp. We, I got paid like $3 month ago to do a good burp and i think i finally delivered on it so anyways uh josh is what we call a casual viewer so and it's not derogatory by any means but it's just someone who watches it casually who's not 100 percent invested or maybe just doesn't have the means to watch it like so like i have 
Hulu Live or Hulu Plus, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so I, I essentially have cable television. Josh doesn't. I have access to it. He doesn't. But... I fill them in on storylines and stuff that's going on. So then when it comes time for pay-per-views, he knows what's going on. Uh, also, I do record almost every episode. So if there's a really good match or something and Josh comes over, I'm like, bro, we got to check this out. Uh, we watch uh, Blood and Guts that way. And yeah. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, no. like the, the, it, was a, it was a pretty short match, too, though. It was about, like, seven minutes. The Aussie Open and MJF one? Yeah. Or, I mean, the Better Than You, Baby. Yeah. So that <laughs> one was was about seven minutes, and it made sense to me because yeah. MJF and Adam Cole not only opened the show, but, but they, they closed the show yeah. because they had a singles match against each other for the AEW World Championship title. Yeah, they were the main event. Right. So... Yeah. so it's understandable that it was only about seven minutes long because they wanted to go in, take care of business, and keep their energy reserves like as filled as possible. Yeah. Oh man. And I, I do agree. I think that match was probably about like a, a seven out of ten. You know. Yeah. I mean, if if you want to go off of the traditional um, star rating system, I w- I would give it like a. Like a three and a half star out of five. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't. Agree. It wasn't terrible. No, no it wasn't. they had good spots in the match that popped the crowd. Oh, yeah. You know, and stuff like the kangaroo kick, the double clothesline. Um, <clears throat> like honestly, it was the perfect way to start the the uh, pay per view mm-hmm. because it wasn't something that was super amazing, but it wasn't bad either. And also at the time, people were still filling in the arena. But yeah, I mean, with 81,000... Yeah, like, so... Hey, the attendees, it's gonna take a while. And it was in London, so over here, the the zero hour started at 9 in the morning on Sunday. And the main card for the pay-per-view started at 10 a.m. So I think that match probably went on at, like, what, like 9.20 or something? The... Aussie Open? Yeah, yeah, the title match that we just talked about. They didn't. Because it wasn't right away. Because when I got here, it was... No, wait, no. no I you didn't stayed make it. the night. night. Yeah. <laughs> when I got here, I, no, when I came to my senses... Yeah, pretty much. From my <laughs> slumber. Because we started like around 9 o'clock here. Mm-hmm. And there was like two matches... There were there were two matches in the zero hour, but there was a lot of um, vignettes and like, um, like refreshing yeah viewers of the storylines and stuff. So it was like what nine thirty maybe roughly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next match on the card was um, Jack Perry versus Hook for the FTW Championship. So. The FTW Championship goes all the way back to ECW, which is Extreme Championship Wrestling. Um, It's not like a recognized championship title in AEW. It's more of just like like a bragging rights title. You know, it's like a hardcore match 
like hardcore wrestling fan type. Thing. No, 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 like hardcore match type. Because like FTW rules means there are no rules. Oh. Yeah, that's why they were able to do what they did in the match. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like AEW, if you go on AEW's <laughs> um, website and mm-hmm. look at their championship roster, it's not on there. Because they don't recognize it as their own championship. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a little weird, but yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, it's like the UFC. They have the the BMF title. Oh. It doesn't mean shit. It's just bragging rights. Yeah. But the title does say BMF on it. So, like, it's it's bragging rights for a year or whatever. Okay. You know. Makes sense. I do like that about the UFC. I'm like, ah. You've got a little pro wrestling in there. <laughs> and it's funny because um, the inaugural fight, they had The Rock present the, the BMF title. <laughs> the great. bad motherfucker title. Yeah. That's great. So anyways, um, Hook was FTW champ. Lost the belt to his best friend at the time, Jack Perry. Jack Perry betrayed Hook. Got the belt off of him and put it on himself. And this match was just Jack Perry getting his comeuppance. He came out in a limo after Hook was already out. Yeah. Uh, and Hook, mind you, for those of you who, who don't know who he is, he is Taz's son. Taz was a hardcore ECW legend. Um was brought over to WWE, I think it was at that time, or maybe F. Either way, it's the same company. Yeah. Um, he was the suplex machine. Um, <laughs> is so, that really his name? Yeah. So that's his son. Um, so it was kind of cool to see the legacy of the FTW championship yeah. continue on through his son. And it was never like just straight up kind of like gifted to him like he earned the ftw title by winning it in a match um so there was a couple of spots in this match that i thought were absolutely amazing one of them being a spot when they were on top of the limo and i think it was a power bomb onto the roof of the limo and it was this limo was not rigged it was not gimmicked it was a straight up limo yeah and that power bomb, or whatever it was, I don't remember ex- the exact move. I didn't take notes. I, when I watch pay-per-views, I watch as a fan. Yeah. I don't watch critically. Um, it had dented the roof Dude, of the limo. I know. It was and then like, the other spot in this match that was actually that that actually led to something very controversial was the windshield spot. And it was a suplex spot on the windshield. And right before this spot happened, Jack Perry looked at the camera straight up, knocked on the windshield and goes, real glass, cry me a fucking river. And that was a shot at CM Punk because CM Punk had urged Jack Perry not to use real glass in any matches, whatever, whatever. And he was very public about it. And that was kind of throwing Jack Perry under the bus. So, in Jack Perry's mind, this was like a receipt, you know? Instead of giving him a receipt in the ring, he just kind of mocked him on camera. Yeah. I say it's controversial because it led to a backstage fight between CM Punk 
and Jack Perry. So that's that's neither here nor there, and I don't want to talk about it because I don't care about it. I don't like backstage brawls, real beef between wrestlers and stuff yeah. because it ends up leading in suspensions and fines and it ruins and, and, the show. And yeah, like pay-per-view or continuity disruptions. Like now, CM Punk and Jack Perry are both suspended and won't be able to attend this upcoming weekend's pay-per-view all out. In oh. CM Punk's hometown in Chicago. That's where where see. the crowd would be hot, white fucking hot for CM Punk. But again, we're not going to get into it. I don't give a shit about these these kinds of things. I don't think they're funny or whatever. So, anyways, what did? You, why don't you tell them what you thought of the match? <laughs> in, in like forty seconds or less. All right, I'll tell you what. The match was like a seven point like seven. It was pretty good. I love the whole car situation going on. You know, throwing each other around on, on that car. The only thing is that get you know kept me from giving it a higher rating is that I'm not liking uh, Jack Perry's new image. I don't like the whole I'm going bad thing. He did better as Jungle Boy, but that's just my opinion. I don't know the whole storyline, but that's what it is. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and stop recording the audio portion in three, two, one. All right, and for you audio listeners, we are back from the break. Yeah. So, right. Moving on to the main card, the very, or did you have something to say? Oh wait, did you finish your opinion on the match itself? Oh no, I didn't give it a rating, so we're going to stay out of of a 10 scale, we'll just make it very easy that way. Okay. Because I think when when you grade critically on a a scale of um, 0 to 5, it's harder to give a little bit of leeway I think mm-hmm. when you go on a critical score of, of 0 through 10 there's a lot of room I think to futz with true um, and again I haven't been grading um, or scoring professional wrestling uh, for all that long so it's just easier for me to kind of think of it in do a... the do the rookie route first rather yeah. than the 0 through 5 okay so, yeah, I would give that match probably about, like, a 7 out of 10, to be absolutely 100% fair. It was really cool to watch and see, because, um, again, that was the last match for the Zero Hour before the, the main pay-per-view started, and you got to see the crowd continually fill up and fill up, and it was just kind of, like, all, like, getting you hyped for the main main card of yeah. the pay-per-view. So the very first match of AEW All In was CM Punk versus Samoa Joe for the AEW Real World Championship. So, <laughs> I can still remember the lineup. I don't remember the order. I told you I've got this like a <laughs> autistic memory going on. Um, so Thank love you. you. Love you too. Um, so yeah. The real world championship is also an unrecognized title. So here's the deal. CM Punk did some shit last year that got himself in trouble and suspended and um, uh, was stripped of the world championship. Um, 
at AEW Full Gear of 2022. That was a pay-per-view in uh, November 19th, 2022. Um, got into a backstage scuffle again, because apparently he likes to do this shit. Um, uh, they stripped the title away from him, and he was suspended, and he was also out with a torn tricep or something like that, I believe, for like months on it. Yeah, it was like some something so, like eight months. Yeah. So here's the deal. He got the title stripped from him. And when he made his return, he had claimed that he never lost the belt. Which is factually true. I mean, he didn't he didn't get pinned or submitted or none of that shit. He legit was the title had to be vacated. And so in his mind he was like, well you know what? I'm still champ. So he's carrying around the AEW world title, but he pulled the NWO move back from the WCW days, and he spray-painted an X in the middle of the title, which coincidentally is an X over the E. The E in AEW stands for Elite, and the Elite is who he had a backstage brawl with. Mm -hmm. You know, so... Like you said, this is a whole nother conversation for a, yeah. uh, uh, you know, we could talk for hours on this. Oh, no, no, no. It was All Out last year is when that happened. Because the Brawl Out from All Out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Either way, though, the thing is, with that match, it wasn't a bad match. That's I can give you that. They did pretty damn good. So, right. So, hold up. Samoa Joe is also yeah. the Ring of Honor World Television Champion. So you got champ versus champ here going at it, and they were going for CM Punk's title, which, again, it's an artificial title right now. It doesn't mean jack shit. It might lead up to something else later on down the line where, like, MJF, who is the world champ, might have to refeud with CM Punk again to unify the titles or whatever. Make it an actual, like, you know... Uh, Gaming is Art 88 said, I'm just happy uh, wrestling is still going strong. Absolutely. Oh, it is It is really strong. Professional wrestling probably hasn't been this prominent of a uh, service or uh, a industry. Industry. It's, yeah. Probably since the Attitude Era. Yeah, because I mean, it, uh, slowly after the Attitude Era. Because I remember watching as a kid, still watching wrestling. Yeah. After that, it's just kind of slowly went that, downhill. That was like the ruthless aggression era where you got like folks like Cena showing up. And, you know, Cena was fine and dandy and stuff. But then after that, it went into the PG era where yeah. it became more like geared towards kids and stuff. But anyways, um, obviously, we are very happy as well. Uh, gaming is art. So, did you want to give your opinion on the match itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the match itself... Now, here's the deal. CM Punk and Samoa Joe are both in their 40s now. Samoa Joe, I believe Samoa Joe, still hasn't really lost a step from what, I've, what, from what I'm able to see. Now, granted, I might be a little more favorable towards Samoa Joe because, number one... He, he is Sweet Tooth in the Twisted Metal show on Peacock. Yeah. And number two, he doesn't start 
out of ring bullshit. Yeah. Uh, but no, but what I will say against CM Punk is that his age is showing in the ring, and his 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 moves, his strikes, and everything that he does in the ring. It's not moving. It's not coming off as powerful and fluid and connecting 100% as it should. Yeah. I mean, the guy calls himself the best in the world. That's his moniker. And you expect the best in the world every time you see him come in the ring, right? If you're going to... I mean, his signature move is the GTS, the go to sleep. He's got you on the shoulders. He drops you down. He throws a knee. It's supposed to hit you in the head. Mm -hmm. There's already been a few matches where he throws that knee and it doesn't connect. Or he throws a knee and it hits the person in the chest. Oof. And the wrestler has to sell it as if they got hit in the head. <coughs> you know? <coughs> That's Sorry. probably enough for you. <coughs> hit my bait like that. God damn it. Um, so anyways, the match was really good. This match uh, started showing us heel punk. Yeah. You know? Just, just really starting to turn villain, starting to turn heel. And Samoa Joe, I, he does this shit, right? Where someone goes on the top rope and try and goes to dive. And instead of standing there and catching them and taking the fall or whatever, he turns his back and walks the opposite direction. <laughs> and he did that phenomenally in this match. Yeah. And CM Punk landed, I would say wrong, looked like twisted ankle kind of wrong mm -hmm. and that's the other thing I wanted to mention too is CM Punk was never an athlete the guy was never built for speed or power his entire professional wrestling career he's looked like a guy yeah no he's definitely looked like you know he looks like just your average dad just with you know, really short hair. I mean, fuck, even in his UFC run, he was getting gassed in in the first round. Really? He had two UFC fights and lost both of them, like, in horrible fashion. Um, his second opponent, his second fight in the UFC, the guy easily could have ended the fight in the first round, but he dragged Punk through the third round and played with him the entire time. Oh, wow. And he did it so badly that he got fired from the UFC as well as Punk getting let go from the UFC wow because Dana White was like you should have fucking ended it and you decided to play around and wow. whatever so yeah, yeah, yeah CM Punk is like literally like no threat to anybody <laughs> um but anyways I thought this match was pretty good they were going hard in the paint with the chops yeah you know, especially on Samoa Joe's side. Um, there was a spot that I really liked in particular where CM Punk was in between the second and third rope of the ring. Mm -hmm. And C or, um, Samoa Joe would chop him right in the chest and it would slam him down. But then he would seesaw back up because he was in the middle of the ropes. Yeah. And then um, Samoa Joe would slap him again, chop him in the chest again. Uh, and then, like, he kept going because he would pull yeah. his legs down, slap him again. When he got yeah. down, he kept him back up. Yeah, so 
All in all, CM Punk won with a Pepsi plunge. Um, it didn't look that great, but you also got to keep in mind too, like if you want your wrestling to be real, right? Samoa Joe's like 300 plus pounds. Yeah. Okay. And CM Punk ain't. So if a move comes off kind of like fucking skitty, I accept that because it's fucking professional wrestling and you want it to be real, right? You want it to be a sport and and this and that. Do you think every punch fucking lands in the UFC? Do you, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I totally get it. And as a matter of fact, it's given me more of an appreciation for botches where I'm not so critical on them. Even though I do give WWE a lot of shit for things not landing, it's the things that don't land that still get sold is where I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. Come no, on. like in AEW, if it's a botch, you see it as a botch and they don't fucking try to sell it. Right. And that's something we'll get to in another match later on. Yeah. So, anyways, I give this one like a 7.3 out of 10. What about yourself? Um, I'd give it a 7 out of 10, uh, mainly because of the fact that I just felt like Samoa Joe pretty much had it in the bag pretty, the almost the entire match. Yeah, there was a few times where CM Punk did get him pretty good. Yeah. But Samoa Joe had control the majority of the time. I would say like the two-thirds of the match. Yeah. Yeah. It's still the majority of the time. Right. So, and I, I just felt like it was a, a bullshit win. Bullshit. But, but overall, though, it was still a great match. I, I wouldn't mind rewatching it. Right. You know? So, that's, that's my opinion on it. Yeah. So, next up, we had the Golden Elite, which is Kenny Omega... Um, Kota Ibushi, yeah, Kota <laughs> Ibushi and Hangman Adam Page versus uh, Hold on. what is it? Uh, Gun- uh, 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 not, no, Bullet, uh, Bullet Club, Club Gold, Gold. Yeah. yeah, uh, with Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Kanosuke Takeshita, who is not necessarily part of Bullet Club Gold, he's more just kind of like a mercenary or hired hand, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, this match, all in all, was really good. Oh, yeah. A lot of people had reservations going into this and complaints of like, bro, you've got Wembley Stadium, over 81,000 people in the building, and you've got Kenny Omega, who is the face of AEW, in a trios match. And I'm like, look it. You're not just getting Kenny Omega in a trios match. Yeah, would it be great to see him go one-on-one with somebody else? Absolutely. Yeah. But you still get to see Kenny Omega in a wrestling match. Okay? Yeah. Anytime Kenny Omega's in the ring, whether it be trios, tag team, or singles, it's a great fucking time. Mm-hmm. At any time, Omega can whip out a fucking V-trigger and knee a motherfucker to the fucking moon. You know what I mean? Um, so anyways, was not thrilled with the outcome of this match, but I absolutely loved what it set up. Alright, so, that's fair. I can't even begin to break down all the spots in this match. There were so many. Because there were so yeah. many. Um, 
one in particular that got me though was when Hangman got tagged in and cleared the fucking house. Oh, yeah. He just went ballistic. And it's funny because Kenny Omega, when he is a, in, a, in a trio with um, the Young Bucks, he's considered the heavy. He's also considered like the heavy in the elite as a group. So like the elite encompasses, you know, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page. And then you want to throw in uh, Kota Ibushi in there as well to make them the golden elite. He's considered their heavy, like their tank. But also at the very same time, Hangman Adam Page is too. Yeah, I, I no. would. He's I, not a small dude at all. No, and his moves, like the buckshot lariat, where he's on the outside on the apron, flips over, and uses that momentum to carry over a lariat right over somebody's fucking chest or throat and like 10 times out of 10 times sends that person into an aerial flip before they fucking eat shit yeah you know because he hits them so hard um he just he he got in and wrecked the place up and then he even jumped and did a like reverse moonsault or something onto the the gun club that were just hanging out outside of the ring took yeah. them out like that that whole that whole fucking assault was just absolutely beautiful and i loved it the one thing that sucked is the golden elite were right about to secure a victory and kanosuke takeshita rolled up Kenny Omega and got the one, two, three. That, yeah. I do not like seeing Kenny Omega get rolled up. I will accept his defeat if it is like when him and Will Ospreay went at it at uh, Forbidden Door. Dude, that was crazy. I accept that. Yeah. But roll it, up it, is it, like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. But I do like the fact that it's set up Kenny Omega versus Kanosuke Takeshita for AEW All Out All right, that's this fair. upcoming weekend. That's fair. And I do fully expect Kenny Omega to come out on top. Okay? <laughs> Better fucking happen. I'm also a giant Kenny Omega <laughs> uh, fan, so there's that bias. One thing I can <laughs> say, though, is that one thing I've realized. Every time... Kenny Omega has like a tag team match mm-hmm. or like a duos match or something. They always gang up on him hard. Well, because I know he's the heavy. I get it. Well, no, it's it's not even that. He is the one who has the gas tank, and that was like something I told you about when we watched Blood and Guts when he was the first entrant into the whole cage match. Mm-hmm. He's the first because he can go the longest. Oh, that makes sense. And he's also the most tenured, most skilled, probably the fastest. I, I, I mean, he's definitely faster than the Young Bucks. Oh, dude, for his size, he's freaking. Excuse me. He's very agile and very fast. For his and size, and not even to, not just his size, but his age. How old is he? He's either thirty-nine or forty now. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So I mean, it's not like he's old. But no. he's been wrestling for a long time. Yeah. And when you wrestle like he has, 
That takes a for toll that on your long. Body. I mean, fuck, he was out for almost a year just getting surgery after surgery after surgery. Wow. I think it was like last year. Yeah. I mean, that 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 definitely takes a toll on your body. Not just the wrestling, but the surgeries themselves take a toll yeah. on your body. One thing I did realize though, or at least I think I realized, did he not do a single one-winged angel in that no. match? No, and here's the deal. Nobody's ever kicked out of that. Anytime he does the one-winged angel, it is a one, two, three. Well, didn't didn't he do that to... uh, Wait, no. Will Ospreay did that to him. Yeah. And that's how he lost. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, it is a pretty fucking devastating move. I know. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. I, I gave this match an eight. I'd go, I'd go with like an eight point like maybe eight point three roughly yeah, yeah a little higher than it was eight. it was really good it definitely brought up the pace of the card oh yeah um but next up we had it was uh, oh, 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 I was gonna guess I was trying to go off my memory <laughs> but yeah it was FTR versus the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team Titles yeah. And it was also the third match between the two tag teams. So this was the cap to their trilogy to decide who is the best tag team in the world. I still don't agree with the outcome, but... And we'll get right to that outcome after this quick audio break. Alright, audio listeners, we are back from that quick break. <laughs> Alright, so, yeah, FTR versus the Young Bucks. I'm not gonna lie. The first third of this match felt pretty flat to me. The crowd was pretty quiet. The suplexes they were doing off of each other and stuff kind of felt... Forced. I don't know. It just didn't feel all that like, oh my god, we are watching the the best two tag teams go right at it, right after each other. Yeah, I know you're right because you generally when I watch a Young Bucks, they're usually very memorable. Yeah. Like this one, not so much. So I find it funny. Because you've got the world's top two tag teams in this match. And the funny thing is, anytime they wrestle each other, it never lives up to the top two tag teams wrestling each other. They've had their best matches with other opponents. (laughs) <laughs> the Young Bucks have the Lucha Bros. Do that, yeah. FTR mm-hmm. has the Briscoes. Or uh, Bullet Club Gold. Okay. That was like an hour-long match on Collision. Like fucking four, five, six weeks ago. Oh, wow. Seven-star match out of five. 
That was the dog hitting the door. Um, but yeah. So like I said, the, the very first third of this match was like dry. But as it continued on and continued on, it started to just be bonkers. Yeah, it really blew up. You know, up. Cash Wheeler, deservedly so, took a fucking beating. <laughs> and was pretty much rendered useless for most of this match. Um, the young... I mean, there was, again, the last match had a lot of spots. This one, in the last, like, ten, eight-ish minutes, was just like, move, move, counter, counter. We're gonna use your finisher. We're gonna use your finisher. So on and so forth, right? And then eventually, FTR got the win, retained the titles... I do not believe this was the right fucking call. All things considered outside the ring, I still don't believe this was the right call. I feel like FTR has been propped up as like this corporate push. Really? Like the the corporate golden boys. Even though the Young Bucks are EVPs, Executive Vice Presidents, within the company, I feel like FTR is, like, the poster childs, so to speak. But But not by natural selection. Because if it were by natural selection, in my mind, the Lucha Bros would be champs right now. Yeah. In my mind. Because... Holy fuck are the Lucha Bros, like, legit. Dude, their matches are great. They're rarely ever boring. And they, the way they present themselves is fucking fantastic. And not only that, but you look at them and go, these guys are gonna fuck somebody up right now. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. When I look at FTR, especially Dax, I feel like they're just like circus strongmen. That's what I was thinking too. You know? I think of the circus. Yeah. Yeah. And like, they remind me of a very long bygone era of professional wrestling when professional wrestling started out with traveling circuses and stuff. Mm. It's a cool gimmick, but I don't see them as threats. What I see them, you know what they remind me of? They remind me of the age old thing of a wrestler versus a striker. Don't let the wrestler get close to you. You're fine if they don't get close to you. That's what FTR reminds me of. And when you have them go against a team like the Young Bucks, who are just aerial assaultists and quick and high flyers and they're quick in the ring and they're they're all when they get in tandem with each other, it's like you can't there's no there's no time to get a counter. I just don't believe that FTR could get the advantage. Yeah, I can see that. You know, unless there's like a fatal error that the Young Bucks present. But, whatever. Like, FTR won. It is what it is. I feel the way I do about them individually and as a as a a team. Mm. I give this match... Like a 7-7. Seven, seven. 
out of ten. I'd say closer to a seven. Maybe, maybe like a six point eight. Exported. God, that's what I think about it. I'm not gonna choke to death. Don't cough like a motherfucker either. (laughs) So this night was a really bad night for the young bucks, though. Yeah. Not the young bucks, the elite, because. Oh yeah. All members of the elite took losses. Yeah. On the world's largest stage. You know what's funny? Typically, you would, when you say the world's largest stage for professional wrestling, you say WrestleMania. That's not the case anymore. <laughs> it's not the case anymore, guys, whether you like it or not. So it's all in. That's the. All in might be AEW's WrestleMania. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, all in is already booked for. Next year. Next year. At Wembley Stadium. Yeah, oh, again. That's wild. It is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, overall, it was... I feel like it was probably the weakest match, but it still was not a bad match. Yeah. It just... It had to warm up. Yeah. That was the only... That was the only downside about it. Which, I mean, when you compare it to the rest of the matches, though, that's what I mean, where it's, like, the weakest match. Yeah. And, like I said, it's crazy that even though it was the weakest match... It was still a, a fun match to watch. Like, yeah, it may have had to build up a little bit, but once you got to the climax, it was... Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, correct me if I'm wrong, but next up after this was the women's four-way match. You're wrong. Stadium Stampede? Uh, Stadium Stampede was uh, best friends, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it was, I was... 50% chance I was right, 50% yeah. chance I was wrong. <laughs> Alright, so next up we have the Stadium Stampede match, which was between the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, yep. Orange Cassidy, Eddie Kingston, and Penta, uh, El Cerro Miero. And did I say Eddie Kingston? Yeah, you said it. Okay. Versus the Blackpool Combat Club, which consists of Wheeler Yuta. Claudio Casignoli, John Moxley, and then they had uh, Proud and Powerful, uh, which was uh, Santana and Ortiz. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. This match, full of fucking anarchy. Like, dude, it was wild. This was more of a anarchy in the arena match versus a stadium stampede match. And I get it because, like, stadium stampede was born out of like the kind of COVID era of wrestling mm-hmm. where it was like empty place, you know, like they had a lot of place to, a lot of room to work with, especially being at Daly's place, which is where the Jacksonville Jaguars play, you know, so they had like the whole football field to deal with and everything like that. Yeah. Um, this match was absolutely gruesome to a T. Yeah. This was the first time my stomach ever got queasy during a wrestling match. And it's crazy because, like, they didn't have as many props as, like, they did before, you know. Like, before, like, like the, um, the one with the Blackpool Combat Club versus the, the Elite. Mm-hmm. Where they had barbed wire almost everywhere. Yeah. And even then, it still wasn't as gruesome as what this match was. Well, listen, there's the phrase, less is more, 
Mm. And that that always is true. Okay? Yeah. Let's go over the weapons that we saw in the match. There were barbecue skewers. There was Yeah. There there was glass bottles being broken. There were Legos. That was the funniest one to me though. Listen, it's it, it sounds funny. Yeah, but, but it's still. Imagine everyone's done it. Stepped on a Lego on mm-hmm. accident. And then you go, God damn it! Right? Yeah. Imagine being slammed on that shit. I know. Oh. It okay. was funny, but it was freaking brutal. Yeah. And then you had barbed wire wrapped pieces of wood. You had... The, the barbed wire uh, tables. Barbed wire, yeah. Um, you also had just the environment. Yeah. You know, and then you also had metal baking trays from Sue, <laughs> Trent's mom. Yeah. And, and pastries as well. Uh, I mean... Oh, Brent was oh, so there, disappointed with that one. There was, al- there was also a, uh, screwdriver, uh, fork, um... The classic fork, yeah. Yep. Yep, I mean, there, there was a lot here. Yeah. There was a lot. I, I didn't even hit everything, but... Standout moments. We'll just get into this one. The fucking barbecue skewers. The wooden skewers. Mm-hmm. Um, John Moxley pulled them out of a bag. And then somehow Penta... I don't remember how, but Penta got a hold of them. Yeah. Had Moxley on his knees... Put the skewers, all of them, not just some, all of them, onto Moxley's fucking top of his head, <laughs> and just started smacking them onto his head. Oh my just god! Just like, mmm, mmm, mm. I don't even think I can show a picture. No. Well, I don't think I can because no, you can't. I mean, if I did, I would have to do it in black and white because of the amount of blood. Well, there actually there wasn't that much blood. He was already covered in blood. Yeah, he was already bloody. It's Moxley, right? Um, it was just really fucking gruesome. Yeah, that's where I was like, I gotta give it to Moxley to for fucking taking that shit. Like, I'm pretty sure not many wrestlers. Are willing to do that even just for you know just for shits and giggles or anything like that you know after uh, Penta let go of the skewers you know some of them fell out but like I'd say about half of them <laughs> just keep talking bro keep talking so he lo- he tried to look up Moxley barbecue skewers and it just showed a bunch of like Chicken on skewers ah, and stuff like that. Here we go. I can yeah. show this. We're gonna go ahead and <laughs> go to picture in picture. There you go. But yeah, after Penta let go of the skewers, that many were stuck in Moxley's head. <sighs> yeah, it was. It was like around like half of them. Oh god. I mean, look at. He looks like a tribal guy right there. Bro, they gotta be so far into his fucking skull to be able to. To stick like that. Oh, they they definitely like stuck in that skin. I don't know if it went to the skull, but 
It definitely got stuck in his skin pretty badly. It was gnarly. Oh yeah. Alright, I don't wanna I don't wanna look at it anymore. (laughs) I don't wanna look at that anymore. Why does it do that? I don't know. But yeah. It was uh it was not it was not easy to watch. It wasn't pleasant, yeah. No. Um, another spot that I really liked a lot was when Orange Cassidy pulled out a bucket, a glass bottle, and duct tape. And I was like, what the fuck is he going to do with this? Like, yeah. what kind of MacGyver bullshit is going on? But then he puts on the duct tape around him, around his hand. But Sticky side up. Sticky side up. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then he got the glass bottle and broke it inside the bucket. And then dipped his hand in it and rolled it around to get all the glass shards mm-hmm. on his hand. And I, I looked at Josh when that happened. And I was like, bro, you ever seen the movie Kickboxer? <laughs> I was like, this is just like that fucking shit. And so, dude, my hair is fucking stupid right now. Um, anyways, <clears throat> it was crazy. And then he landed a bunch of fucking orange punches on um, Claudio Casignoli and then covered up for the, the, the pin. But it was just like a sight to see when you were watching him do that. Yeah, it was crazy. And the thing is like Eddie Kingston, there was that point where Eddie Kingston was like out of the ring for a good minute. Cause he was out in the uh, what was that uh, that one room? So he was yeah he was in like the royal uh, it was like a uh, like a fucking luxury suite yeah you know it was called like the royal something or another basically like reserved for royalty yeah which is crazy and even Tony Khan said in the the media scrum afterwards he was like I can't believe we got to do that <laughs> oh dude but it looked like everybody who was there was just having the time of their lives though. They're just, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, he was fighting uh, Claudio in there for a good minute, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He was fighting Claudio for a good minute in there. And then Claudio ended up getting back into the ring. That's when, uh, you know, uh, Orange Cassidy did his orange punches on him. Like, yeah, there was also the spot, too, where Penta looked like he like got shoot hurt. Oh, dude, yeah, you were so worried. I was, dude, because yeah. he got, like, fucking powerbombed onto a, a metal chair mm-hmm. that was in the normal position a metal chair would be, you know, like, opened up, standing. Yeah. And the ringside doctor came out, and then all the other medics came out, and they were like, are you okay? You need help. You need help. And then you didn't see Penta anymore. And I was like... For like a solid, like, five minutes. Dude, and I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. He's hurt. Yeah. He's fucking shoot hurt. And then he came out as Penta Dark in his like all red ring gear. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm happy, but I'm fucking mad. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, he ended up uh, climbing up that ladder on the wrong side. And who was he? Who was it that he uh, slammed into the table? Wheeler. It was. No, 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 no. no, no. It, Wheeler? it no. was um Santana. Ah, yeah. 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 And, and here's the thing that I, I wanted to call back to earlier on about botches. Mm-hmm. He was climbing up on the opposite side of what you should be climbing up on, on a ladder. Yeah. And the ladder ended up, like, one of the sides of the leg 
started uh, folding in half. And so he fell off and so did Santana. But then they got another ladder and Alex Abrahantes, who's like the hype man for um, uh, the Lucha Bros, was holding that side of the ladder for him this time. And he climbed up successfully and did some crazy fucking ladder and table spot. Oh, yeah. And it was great. It was absolutely fucking wonderful and beautiful. Um, you can't beat the fucking um, chance that Trent's mom, Sue, got. Because everyone was like, Sue! 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 Yeah. Well, 81,000 people chanting Sue. And then also... When the best friends in Orange Cassidy were in the ring and had they surrounded Wheeler Yuta, they did the best friend hug yeah. around Wheeler Yuta. And then oh, the camera zooms in on them and then does the giant panoramic zoom out. Yeah. And, and you get Excalibur going, you gotta give the people what they want. You know, and then right after that, they beat the fuck out of him. <laughs> you know, that backstabbing little sniveling bitch. Oh man, that shit was fucking hilarious. It was great, but... Like, they, they, they look so menacing standing around him. Yeah. Looking like they were going to beat him up awesome. Just the random hug. <laughs> the giant bear hug. And then they started whooping his ass. That yeah. was great. That was, a, that was great. Yeah. So, you know, um... The best friends, Penta and Eddie Kingston, ended up getting the win over the Blackpool Combat Club and because they ended uh, up pinning, proud and powerful. Yeah, they ended up pinning Claudio, right? Yeah, yeah. Orange Cassidy pinned Claudio. So now this sets up a match between Orange Cassidy and Penta this upcoming Wednesday for the uh, international championship, and whoever wins that will face Moxley. This upcoming weekend at All Out. Whew, that's, uh, I and, and, feel bad. And for both, Orange. and well, both guys, both Orange and Penta, have a bone to pick with Moxley. Yeah. You know, and and fucking, I really hope this isn't when. All right, look at. I fucking love Penta. He's been a, a a tag team champ and he's been a trios champ. If he wins the match on Wednesday, he'll be the first person to be a tag team champ, trios champ, and international champ. Okay? And I love Penta. Yeah. But, right now, in Orange Cassidy's current run, I'm just like, keep this man champion, please. I know. And look at here's the thing too, though. Orange Cassidy is beat the fuck up because he defends the belt like two times a week. Dude, that's fucking insane. Like, I mean, it's so like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, I really hope that Cassidy wins on Wednesday and doesn't lose at all out. <laughs> but, I can totally see his injuries being his demise and his wear and tear being his demise at All Out and Moxley being the new AEW International Champion. The only thing that I can kind of think that might go in Cassidy's favor is all the damage that Moxley took this past Sunday. Oh yeah. Storyline-wise, of course. But, if we're going storyline-wise still, 
Moxley's built for those kind of fucking matches. And if it were up to him, he'd probably do, like, three death matches a week. Jeez. So. Yeah, no, it's just a tough one to call. I, yeah, as far as that goes, I don't know what to call. But <laughs> we'll take a quick break here and be right back. Alright, and we're back. So, as far as giving the Stadium Stampede match a rating, I would honestly give it like an 8.4 out of 10. Just because of how inter-fucking-taining it was. And it was so just chaotic and all over the place. That's the kind of shit that really does separate AEW from all the other wrestling companies out there. Yeah. I mean, you even have, like, a company like GCW out there. They're, they're like, known for their death matches and shit. But they're a smaller independent organization. They don't have a Wembley Stadium to run through like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it was... It was, it was awesome. That was... Britt asked me last night, she was like, do you have a favorite moment or a favorite match? And I'm like, you know, honestly, I'm still trying. I'm debating it all still. Yeah. And I, even right now, I can't tell you what my favorite was. Because this whole card really didn't disappoint. No. Like I mentioned earlier, they weren't all, they, none of them were like absolutely amazing. But none of them were boring or bad at all. Even right. the one where it, <clears throat> the FTR match. That one, it had a slow start, but it was still good. Yeah. It's like, how, how can you pick a favorite match? I mean, you can pick one that you're like, all right, that's my least favorite. But you can't pick one that's a favorite. Right. Because it's really hard to say that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, next up, we had the women's four-way match. Oh, yo, what's up, Snark? So hey, we're just... Snark. We are running through the AEW All-In pay-per-view. We are now at the point where we are going to talk about the women's four-way, four-way match mm-hmm. for the AEW women's title uh, with... Thank you! Bless you! Thank you. Oh, my taint. Um, <laughs> yeah, had a good lock-up there. <laughs> um, between Soraya... Or Soraya. I think it's Soraya. Um, Britt Baker, Tony Storm, and Hikaru Shida. Yeah. With Hikaru Shida being the women's champ going into the match. This one was actually oddly booked. And I've heard a lot of different takes on how this match should have gone. But at the same time, I'm satisfied with the outcome. For a couple of reasons. But before we get to that, let's get into the match itself. So the match started off ding, ding, ding. And you had all four women in like a perfect square kind of looking at each other like, alright, so who's going to go after who and whatnot. So we had, I think it was Soraya going after Britt Baker and Karoshida going after Tony Storm or whatever. And it was really cool, so to speak, set up because you had... Two members of the Outcasts versus two homegrown AEW talents in that match. And it made sense canonically that way. 
because the Outcasts storyline has still been kind of like floating along, kind of idly, so to speak, but still continuing nonetheless. So I really enjoyed that number one that was going on, but number two, this was also a tribute match to the very first All In that had a four-way women's match with like Chelsea Green, uh, who's now in WWE, uh, Britt mm. Baker, right? Um, Britt Baker. Um, uh, shit, I can't remember the other two. Sorry, yeah. it's been a while. That's but good. um, Britt Baker was in the very first one, mm. and the very first one since, which has been five years now. So, like I said, All In was before it was AEW. Yeah. This was AEW's very first All In. So it makes sense to have a tribute match in that. Yeah. Um, so, a couple of standout moments. One of them being um, Tony Storm delivering the uh, Sweet Cheek music to Britt Baker. I think you might have looked away when I'm, that yeah. happened. I, I looked away. Yeah, but dude, anytime Tony Storm delivers Sweet Cheek music, it is it is fucking Whiplash City. Dude, that's honestly out of all the things to watch, as brutal as that previous match was, the Stadium Stampede. Mm -hmm. I'd rather watch that than the Whiplash that these girls get when she does that. Sweet yeah, cheek music. I mean, she goes from one corner of the ring diagonally sprints across and right at the last second turns hip and thrusts that whole fucking momentum and body into the head of the opponent Oof. and i mean there's a camera right there catching it all and you just see oh it's not even like that dude oh, it no. is it is literally like i don't know a 25 mile an hour fucking car accident at least but to your fucking face yeah you know it's it's so fucking brutal i mean it was so brutal when she debuted that in aew yeah a lot of people were actually criticizing it for being too much and too dangerous yeah and i mean i would believe it mm -hmm. but that one that moment stood out to me another one that stood out to me was um <laughs> It, it set, this sets up the third moment that stood out to me was when um, Soraya's mom was holding Britt Baker. Yeah, that's funny. And then, I was going to mention that moment too. And then Tony Storm, or I'm sorry, Britt Baker got out of the way and Tony Storm decked um, Soraya's mom. Yeah. And that set up this whole beginning of the end for the outcasts as a group. See, like, the thing I don't like about that is because, like, I get it, it's setting up a, a storyline and all that, but it's, if you want to talk about being, like, you know, like, real and fake, you can easily tell from any perspective that Britt Baker moved out of the way. Tony Storm did not mean to hit Surya's mom. Right. So, listen. Yes, heat of the battle, though. You can kind of dismiss that. And third of all, Soraya's family is British wrestling royalty mm -hmm. in, the indie, in, the, in the indie scene. Yeah, I remember so, you telling me about yeah, that. Yeah, so like that immediately is, is like grounds for 
you fucked up. And I get it. And before that, they already had some tension building up because they both went for a pin. At, um, I think it was Soraya. No. So yeah, Soraya and Tony Storm were pinning, was it Hikaru Shida at the same time? I think so. And they were like, wait, we talked about this, you know, and they were both going for the cover at the same time to try to, you know, so there was already that. And then there was Soraya's mom getting hit inadvertently. And then they had more scuffle in the ring between each other. And Soraya had Tony Storm in this, like, submission somewhat of a hold. And Britt Baker came by with an amazing fucking stomp right on Tony Storm's head. Oh, yeah. The foot stomp. The curb stomp. Dude, yeah, because she had her. Yeah. Yeah, she literally had her, like, 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 Tony Storm Storm was was like this. Yeah. She was literally lifted up off the ground. Right. And then Britt Baker just, Runs by out of fucking nowhere. Stomps her fucking head down. And Tony Storm ate all of it. Dude. Like fucking all of it. And see, there's the, the, the hold on. There's no way you can fake that. There's oh no God. way you can sell that. That was all just hey, I'm stomping your head into the ground. I'm sorry, but have fun. <laughs> and see, and this is gonna bring up the point that we talked about earlier of they need to have more women's matches. Yes. Because the thing is with like WWE, the women's matches were pretty much just like, hey, look, we have women wrestling. Here, it's more like, hey, look, look at these fucking women fight like men. No, no, <laughs> Probably no. Probably not no, even like fight like fight men. Fight like savages is what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, They no. were fucking savages in this match. I, I mean, know, because like, I don't think some of, some of these matches are probably a little bit more brutal than what the men do. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, yeah. like, look at Britt Baker's finisher, right? The lock jaw. Yeah. She puts a glove on, shoves the hand in the mouth, and pries the jaw yeah. open. That's fucking vicious. Dude, I can't imagine. Fucking... Because, like, it stretches out all of this. Yeah, like, no. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Tap out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Tap out. So, anyways, um, long story short, Soraya picked up the win. Yeah. Okay. Big, big win. I mean, this... Look at. I'll say this. She was fucking told you're never gonna wrestle again. Because yeah. of her neck injuries mm-hmm. and shit. You know, there was the interference with Ruby Soho, who was part of the outcast as well, coming out because Tony Storm was going to Sweet Cheek Music Soraya. Yeah, she was. And, and Ruby came out and was like, you're gonna fucking paralyze her. You're gonna break her neck. Don't do it. Don't do it. She said, remember her neck injury. Her yeah, neck yeah, injury. Yeah. yeah. So there was all of that going on and Tony Storm was having none of it. So I think she punched Ruby Soho and Ruby Soho was like, fuck this. I'm out of here. Yeah. So that was like the, the kind of like the stamp to be the end of the outcast. Yeah. But again, that's why I love this match so much. Because the outcasts have been kind of just cruising and floating along, like I said, you know, and I I think I told you on Sunday, um, during the pay-per-view, I was like, this match should have culminated with a women's blood and guts match with the outcasts and maybe like two other ex-WWE free agents Mm -hmm. versus 
five homegrown AEW women talent, mm. female talent, and it should have culminated there. But I, I'm happy that it culminated here uh, because it, it, it happened on the world's biggest stage for professional wrestling. Yeah. So you got a hopefully a conclusion to that storyline, and then also a new champion. And with the new champion with being Soraya, again, she was told she was never going to be able to wrestle again, right? Serious neck injuries, so on and so forth, and was put on the shelf. WWE, she said in the media scrum, WWE um, decided to just close the book on her and say, we're done checking up with doctors on you, like, et cetera, et cetera. You're done. Um, Snark says there needs to be more women's matches in each event. Second to their obsession with picture in picture. That's my biggest complaint of (laughs) uh, AEW. Yeah, no, we've, we've been championing, uh, women's matches in AEW. Um, there definitely needs to be more like, again, different, different topic for a different, um, episode, but we do agree that there definitely needs to be more uh, women's matches in AEW. You have, and you you often would be would forget that there's two women's champions, yeah, or female you, champions you, you in AEW. Yeah. yeah, because like Chris Statlander was nowhere to be seen in All In, and she is the TBS women's champion, which is basically their their television uh, champ, but. I get it. They're saving her for all out. Yeah. In that storyline. But um, either way, like they have a lot of great potential in these women, and they need to be, you know, televised. They 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 do great. And look at this ain't me or us simping or anything like that. But the AEW women's roster is fucking stacked, Mm -hmm. and they've got some real killers out there. Yeah. And I think now that Jade Cargill lost the belt. You've got a really, really fucking great opportunity to rebuild her. Show the chinks and cracks in the armor and let personality flow through of doubt, of uh, insecurity and stuff like that. You know, like hard, hard on the outside, but like weak on the inside and rebuild from that. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you can really do some really good stuff with the women's division. And sometimes I just want to scream to Tony Khan or whoever's in charge of the women's division to put someone who genuinely cares about the women's division in charge of it and get, I don't know if there's how many writers there are in AEW, but get half of them working on the women's division. Because you have three shows, two of them of which are two hours long. There's no reason there's only, there. there's one women's match per on, a, on a two hour, yeah, on, yeah. On per show, basically. Yeah. Um, like, again, another topic for another episode, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. But it was a really good moment for Soraya because she got to win the title after all this doubt yeah. uh, and, and being told, no, you, you can never wrestle again, broken necks and so on and so forth. And not only to do it, but to do it in front of the largest attended professional wrestling event in the world. And that event also happened in her home. Cheers to her. Cheers. Cheers. 
And it was a really touching moment, man. Oh, definitely. Like, her whole family came up to the ring and all that stuff. So, for this match, even though it was somewhat short, I really like the spots that were in it. I'm a fan of the outcome, and I'm a fan of of the branches that it's created. I'm gonna give it an eight point seven. I I actually totally agree. I, I'd go yeah. with an eight point seven. I um, it's just, and again with this whole pay per view, there's people that love it. And there's people that hate it. There's not really a in-between. Yeah. And AEW is so polarizing in that way that people either love it or hate it. There's not many people who are just in the middle ground about it. <laughs> but moving on, after this match, I believe we had Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay. Uh, no. It was Darby Allen and Sting. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had Darby Allen tagging with Sting versus uh, Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. Fuck Christian Cage, but yeah. In a coffin match. Yeah. Alright, so look it. I want to keep this one pretty brief because it wasn't a whole lot that kind of went down. There was a few spots that were like, holy shit. <laughs> but the outcome is what you would expect. Yeah. Okay, so we had Stinger, who's fucking 64 years old. 64 years old. And you know what? I want to say this. Before the match even started, per usual pay-per-view event, you had a really cool vignette of Sting and Darby Allen approaching the arena. Yeah. And you, you, you saw Sting looking like fucking Jack the Ripper and Darby walking through this like dark and wet alleyway in the middle of the night you know and i i just fucking loved it <laughs> you know and you had sting looking like the joker saying it's showtime but yeah like he had half his face painted as a joker yeah. the other half painted as his regular sting uh painting yeah and then when he steps out he has a full Joker paint. Yeah, and, it's and I was telling you, I was telling you and Brittany, um, Sunday morning, I was like, they need to make that a figure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> looking like Jack the Ripper and shit, dude. Yeah. I fucking, was, oh my god, I loved it. As much as I love that uh, Comic-Con exclusive Sting figure that uh, Smash JT got me, yeah. shout out Smash JT, um, I want that one as a figure as well. <laughs> like, with or without the coffin, I don't give a fuck. I, that one has a coffin. Yeah. Um, but this match was really fucking solid. You had a lot of really good teases of the coffin being shut on somebody. Oh, yeah. You know, like Christian was in the coffin at one point. Um, Sting was in the coffin at one point. Swerve was in the coffin. Yeah. And... Uh, I think Darby was the only one that didn't go in the coffin. Yeah. Yeah. You also had interference run from Luchasaurus, but then Nick Wayne came out. Was <laughs> got fucking his brutalized. Yeah. Oh my god. Got his ass whooped, but at yeah. the same time, he, he got was his he was choke slammed onto a skateboard. Oh, the skateboard god. being right side up, mind you. Dude, that was bad. Cause like he bounced off yeah. the skateboard because it gave. Yeah, skateboards are built to withstand, you know, like those harsh jumps because you gotta do tricks on them. He just went boing. Oh, 
Oh god, honestly, things not breaking on you when you fall like that probably hurts way more than when it breaks. And speaking of things that don't break, there was a moment where Sting had Swerve, was it Swerve on the table? And Sting jumped off of the ring apron, dropped, oh. did a leg drop, and the table didn't break, yeah. so Sting went up again <laughs> and did it again, and the table yeah. fucking broke. If anything, this match really proved what a tough son of a bitch Sting is. Holy shit. Not only that, but it but it shows just how good AEW treats their legends. Oh yeah. That is something that I always rave about whenever we watch a Sting match, is that they treat him like a fucking like a god, so to speak, in the ring. Because Sting, although he's a dude, right? Like a guy. He's always had that, like, not quite supernatural aspect about him, like the Undertaker. Yeah. But still, like, a lethal force. Like he's You know not, what I mean? Like, they, like a demigod. Yeah. You know? And it, it happened here. Like, whenever Sting shows up in the ring, right? With the baseball bat and shit, the heels always get scared and, yeah. and get as far away as possible. Yeah. Or if he connects with somebody, whether it be a chop or a, um, a, a, a splash in the corner or whatever, it's treated like like a Brock Lesnar F5. Yeah. You know, like it's a fucking finisher. I um, mean, granted, you gotta give you gotta give it up to him though. The dude is huge, so I'm pretty sure even though he doesn't hit as hard as Brock Lesnar. It's still harder yeah. than your average wrestler. Yeah, well, and the thing, too, is, like, Sting is in really good shape for being 64 years old. Oh, yeah. Now, granted, he wrestles with, like, a long sleeve shirt under a regular t-shirt. I don't see how he does it. Well, I mean, and the thing, too, is, like, yes, it hides whatever physique he might be lacking, right? Yeah. But at the same time... The guy almost didn't even fucking break a sweat in this match. No! His face paint was fully intact. Like, his hair... So, you know how some, like, you, when you're... He hair, had the Einstein hair. Yeah, like, yeah. you know how your hair, like, generally gets sopping wet when, when you've been sweating? The dude's hair was not really moist. Yeah. It was fucked up because of how much movement and how yeah. much he's been, you know, tossed so, around, thrown in the coffin, but... So, towards the end of the match, I mean, fuck, one of... Let's talk about some of the spots that stood out one of them being swerve laying on the coffin on top of it and darby got up on the on the ring post on the very top on the outside of the ring is where the casket was darby did a coffin drop fucking swerve got out of the way and darby coffin dropped the coffin severely damaging the very top of like the outside of the coffin and it you just heard this Thud. Like, boom. And I, like, I would not be surprised if Darby got the wind knocked out of him legitimately. Oh, yeah. Um, hopefully he exhaled when he landed, you know? But, like, that was horrifying to watch. Another moment. Yeah, because, like, he dented in, like, at least, like, it's, like, six inches. Yeah. Another moment was when Sting did, I think it was, like, a DDT to swerve when they were on top of the coffin when it was in the ring. Oh, yeah. You know? And Sting, oh. I'm not gonna lie, he looked like he was kind of like checking his balance. But again, bro 64. 
I give him all the grace in the world. Um, and, I mean, and the coffin was not even and, either. Well, and the, that's the thing, too. He dropped swerves on his fucking head on that part of the coffin where the dent oh, meant... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where God. the dent meant another dent. And it peaked. Yeah. And that was fucking horrible. Oh, I know. Oh, another spot that I really appreciated was when... Um, Swerve got Sting in the coffin and then threw the baseball bat in there to like, and I get it, close the coffin totally on Sting. Yeah. But then Sting grabbed the bat and, and like it slid it out yeah. so it didn't let the coffin close completely. So it was like this, like this is the bat, right? It just goes right yeah. over the bat. And, <laughs> and Swerve was all like, yeah, I won the match, right? And the but, ref's like, yeah. And then the casket opened, Sting sat up, and Swerve was like, OH MY, my GOD! God. Oh, dude, that, that reminds me kind of the, of the Undertaker. Yeah, for that. sure, yeah. you know. Um, but then, when they got, when they eventually got Swerve into the casket, right? And then they tried closing it, and Swerve was fighting, make, trying to get the casket to, like, you know, stay, stay open, open so yeah. they didn't lose the match. His fucking hands took a beating as they were like pounding on the coffin. He, he stuck his leg like with oh, his knees. Yeah. Oh yeah, like half of his leg got brutalized. And then there was the very end where Swerve was halfway out. His torso was outside of the coffin, and Darby like did a coffin drop or something on the coffin, <sighs> smashing Swerve in half. Oh man, I mean he doesn't actually split in half. No, yeah, but. They, they, after that, he was like done. They threw him in, closed the casket, one, two, three, Sting and Darby Allen win, and Sting is still undefeated in AEW. Dude, and the thing is, like, not just undefeated, he did not break a sweat. Yeah. Dude, that is wild. It was a really good match. Right. I love that match. Yeah, so we're gonna take a, we're gonna, we're just gonna reset. And so next up was the Will Ospreay versus Jericho match. Yeah. And this was really cool because for a few reasons. Yeah. Number one, Will Ospreay is like on par with Kenny Omega when Kenny Omega was at his peak. I'm yeah. not saying Kenny Omega isn't still at his peak, but when Kenny Omega really hit his peak in New Japan. Yeah. Will Ospreay is, I mean, just a few years ago, Jericho hit up Osprey and was like, bro, if you don't calm your shit, you're going to end up in a fucking wheelchair before you're 30. <laughs> because that's just how extreme Osprey is. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, so there's there's that, right? Like, Osprey is just over as fuck. Especially, I mean, the dude is from fucking England. So this was like home turf for him. Number two, Jericho came out to his own music and was like he played himself out with his band yeah uh, Fozzy they did Judas um live and he was singing as he was walking to the ring and it was just so fucking cool to see you know like you heard the crowd sing over him though yeah and, and that's how over Jericho and Judas is you know like it was amazing to see. Like, how... And, and also this, bro. Outside of the wrestling, 
Think about how cool it was for Jericho's bandmates to perform in front of over 81,000 people. Right? Yeah. That had to make you feel like fucking Metallica. Right? <laughs> you know? Like, like it really was kind of like a concert right there. Was that? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And like... Look at... So like, in the match before, when Swerve came out... He had, like, two rappers or DJs or whatever, like, perform his song as he was walking out, and it was just, like, fucking cringe. I know. Like, like I get it. Swerve is kind of a big shot. But he's... He's... He's a little too cocky for the position he's in. He's not a bad wrestler. You know, he's, he's yeah. really good. But he's not... Well, it's his character. I get it. I know. I get it. But he, he's just not that big yet. Yeah. Mm, that's debatable. You're, as to a be ca- that No. Coffee? As a casual, I can see where you're coming from. But as someone who watches religiously, the guy is over. I mean, you saw it when he said, Whose house? The whole arena said, Swerve's house. Yeah, okay. Last thing I want to say about that last match. I loved how it said Swerve's house on the inside of the castle. Oh, yeah. That was fucking tits. Yeah, that was great. That was great. But, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to this one, I thought it was so fucking cool for Fozzy, the band itself, to be able to... To play in front of that many people. Oh, that's yeah. a musician's dream. When I'm in here playing my guitar, my eyes closed and stuff, that's what I imagine. And those guys got to do it. Whether they've ever played in front of that big of a crowd before or not, they got to say they did. The match itself was 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 awesome. This match in particularly. Did I just see you get on Xbox Live? Oh, that might be my wife turning on the Xbox Series S in the bedroom. Um, <laughs> we, we have two. We have a Series S and a Series X. Um, fucking all Richie over here. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, anyways, so this match in particular was really heavily criticized before it even happened because you have, again, a talent like Osprey mm-hmm. who's... An athletic fucking specimen. This guy is like, um, like he's got the super soldier serum, like Captain America. <laughs> and then you've got an aged star like Chris Jericho. Yeah. A lot of people were saying that Jericho's not going to be able to hang with Osprey and this and that. But when Osprey, or I'm sorry, when Jericho gets doubted, that's when everyone eats their words. Dude, yeah, no, and the thing is, like, I was going to bring that up, too, as a uh, point myself, is that me, personally, I don't like Jericho. Le Champion? Yeah, I personally don't like The Ocho? But, I will tell you this, I fucking highly respect the guy. You can, you can dislike a person and still respect him. I fucking respect the shit out of Jericho. I do not like Yvonne Burgundy, but god damn it, do I respect you. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Dude, I respect the shit out of the guy. Especially after this match, my respect for him has fucking soared. Yeah. How old is he again? I think he's 45. 45. 
He looks a little older. No. No, no, he's older. He's in his 50s. No, he's not in his 50s. Hold on. Or close to. Keep going, though. Oh, either way. This dude went against... Okay, he's 52. Ah. I'm not even a fucking Jericho fan, and I knew that. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, this dude went against a fucking uh, a young buck. You know, like, you know, not like the young bucks, but you know, the yeah. buck. Yeah, I think Osprey is literally 30. Wow, wow. Yeah. Damn, my age. Yeah. Yeah. So he went up, up against a guy who's like pretty much at his prime, mm-hmm. you know, age-wise. Not in his career-wise, because he still has a, lot, a long way to go. And he's still getting bigger. Dude, but, Will, uh, look at, hold on real quick. Yeah. Will Osprey is so over right now. Do a little picture in picture here. I typed in Will in Google. Hold on. And the first name that comes up is Will Osprey. Yeah. Not Smith. Not fucking whatever these guys are. Will Osprey. Will Osprey. Look at in the first search is Will Osprey, Chris Jericho. Yeah. Holy shit. So, yeah, Will Ospreay is 30 years old. And the thing is, like I was saying, it's like the dude's like in his prime age-wise. You know, he's healthy, he's strong, ton of energy. And Jericho fucking kept up with him. Yeah. Not only did he keep up with him, he fucking matched his energy. Jericho, like in the past few matches that I've seen him, like, you know, in these pay-per-views he's generally more of a technical wrestler now right i know you said in the past he was a little bit more energetic a little bit more of a high flyer yeah yeah, yeah for sure but right right now he's more of a technical wrestler i mean it's not bad chris jericho you could argue is like one of the first hybrids of the sport because mm-hmm. he was a high flyer you know he did have good exposure in japan and mexico but he also is technical. I mean, one of his finishers, the Walls of Jericho, is a submission. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. Um, so anyways, where are you? Oh yeah, I was gonna say, like, at his age, to be able to not only keep up with him, but match his energy with being, not exactly a high flyer, but getting close, you know, jumping off the ropes, doing those kind of moves, I was like, holy shit, this motherfucker is a badass. Yeah. I, no. I cannot deny that. So look it, there's something with Jericho when he when he wrestles. It's he he has this like comfort zone, so to speak. Mm-hmm. He knows when he can phone it in and it's passable. And he knows when it's time to step up. He hits a fucking home run. Mm. And like I told you with the, the Sting and Darby match uh, versus uh, uh, Christian Cage and Swerve, I told you, soak it in while you can because this is this might be one of Sting's last matches or his last match. Yeah. The shit that Jericho has endured, I wouldn't be surprised if he's done wrestling in the next two to three years. Yeah. And I mean, this match, if anything, shows 
he can still go. But it's like I told you after the match, this is his ceiling now. Yeah. This is the top of the fucking mountain for him now. And I don't think he'll ever be champ again. I don't even think he'll be international champ. Or TNT champ. Mm-hmm. I think he is a upper mid-card guy now. He's not main event anymore. But, this wasn't him passing the torch just yet. I think that's going to culminate with him and Sammy wrestling each other. Oh yeah, you're right. I think that torch will be passed. Not Not anytime soon, but soon enough. And that's going to be when you see Jericho start to go away. Not completely. Nah. I think if anything, he'll still be a manager or involve the backstage, of course. But yeah. um, also Jericho is, is very like full of pride and ego <laughs> and can't keep himself out of the main events you know but if he's gonna be like that he's gotta deliver and a lot of again a lot of people thought this was going to be Osprey carrying Jericho but throughout this entire match and I've said this already like two times there were so many spots in this match I can't keep track of it unless I was taking notes I, I can't tell you but I mean Jericho held his own and I loved at the very end of it when Jericho was on his knees and he still had this is the gamer in me now he still had enough HP in his bar to get up and try to attack but instead he was on his knees looked at Osprey flipped him off and then Osprey finished him you know and I, I like I give this match like an 8.4 out of 10 it was good it was really good. I'd say... It, this I, one surprised me more than the rest. Oh, yeah. I'd say I'd give it a 9. Just because of the fact that because I don't like Jericho, which is, sounds kind of counterintuitive, the surprise that he gave me for this match was just like, holy shit. Well, I mean, That's look at he's He's a wrestler just like any other, so you can like him or... Or not. Oh, yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of people who may love a wrestler that everybody hates or vice versa. Yeah. So. No, and the thing is, like, the uh, like the reason it's a nine is because of the fact that he really showed what he's still capable of. Respect. Yeah. 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 Um, you want to grab? Are you out? Yeah, I'm out. Cool. Josh is going to reload, so to speak. But, um, yeah, this match in particular, I was really happy with the with the match itself as well as the outcome just because I love seeing people eat their words. Yeah. You know, and there was a lot of podcasters who ate their words after this event. I can see that. Now, next up, we had the trios title match with uh, the House of Black, 
mm-hmm. versus the acclaimed with the badass Billy Gunn. <laughs> and of course, this was a house rules match. Go ahead. I'm gonna crack mine open too. Yeah. 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 See, that was a good one. You you hesitated and you were like, crack. Well, I didn't want to interrupt you, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. So the house, the house of black has a stipulation for every match, and it's just called a house rules match. The opponents get to pick the stipulation for the match. Yeah. Now see, look. If the acclaim, if if any of these opponents were ever smart enough, they would just say, "Okay, only one of you is allowed to wrestle in this match." <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like. Julia Hart's only allowed to wrestle in this match. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, bro? Like, come on. Come on. But uh, this this stipulation for this match was really good. No holds barred. Yeah. Let's fucking bring it. Yeah. Now, while it wasn't nearly as brutal as any of the other matches that took place today, it was great because you got to see... <clears throat> Six on six, simultaneously. You didn't have to worry about tag-ins. You didn't have to worry about ring outs. Six on six? Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, three on three. Yeah, I was going to say. You got to see the three on three um, with, like I said, no tags, no no count outs, no nothing. Yeah. And, I mean, (sighs) this... The result of this match was definitely a double-edged sword because number one, the House of Black is completely over as a unit. Like these guys are like an unstoppable force right now. Or were. And number two, the acclaimed are as hot as they've ever been. Oh yeah. Like the crowd was totally behind them hundred percent. Uh-huh. But before the match started. There is something I have to say that I really liked and appreciated. And again, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I was not in any way, shape, or form a fan of Bray Wyatt or um, Wyndham Rotunda. But I don't wish death on anybody. And I feel horrible for the family and the kids and the fans of him. But I really liked the sweet touch that the House of Black did. I knew you were going to go with that. And yeah. they brought that lantern out and they sat it down on the entrance ramp and walked forward. That moment gave me like goosebumps. And like, look at FTR, when they were wrestling, they had black bands on their arms. One of them said Brody. One of them said Briscoe, or Jay and Briscoe, and then the other one said uh, Bray. Uh, Fallen fellow wrestlers, you know, throughout the years. Yeah. And I dislike FDR so much, I didn't appreciate their tribute. I have that like how you feel for Jericho, right? Like, I don't like him, but I respect him. Yeah. That's how I feel towards the House of Black. Uh, To me, 
this is gonna sound so brash or whatever, but like the House of Black to me looked like a bunch of KKK members decided to <laughs> decided to like fucking make a trio team. You know what I'm saying? Oh man! And like Brody Lee's disdain of police only like pushes that further. Oh man! You know? Yeah. So like, ah, it was yeah, whatever. But that subtle tribute that they did was really awesome. And when they did that, um. You saw all the fireflies, the, the phone lights, yeah, in the arena, and it was just like, damn, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, anyways, but going into the match itself, mm-hmm. it's a fucking catch twenty-two. This is again their third match. Yeah, and. They kind of forced Billy Gunn into retirement. And he came out of retirement, quote unquote, for this match. Mm-hmm. And they fucking won. The acclaimed and Billy Gunn won. And it, it was one of those matches where I'm kind of like, the entire time, I'm just like, fuck. This is pretty good. You forgot to silence your phone, bro. Oh, no, that's the on-call phone. Uh, I have to have it on. But, yeah, the match was good. And, like I said, it flowed so well because of the tag, like, the stipulation. Yeah. And there was a moment that I fucking absolutely loved. You already know what I'm going to talk yeah. about. It's when Julia Hart inserted her ass into this match. And they fucking scissor-me-timbered her. Oh, dude, that was so fucking great. It was... And and this is the second time, I want to say, she got physically um, attacked in a match. Because there was another match where um, Andrade was wrestling... Uh, I don't remember what he goes by in AEW. Uh, Buddy, Buddy Matthews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in WWE, he was Buddy Murphy. Um... They were wrestling each other, and she got involved, and she got kicked into a ladder or whatever. I'm sorry, but I just read. Mm, Julia, I wouldn't mind giving her a scissor. Oh my oh, god! My, oh my god! Snark, do you like her better as a uh, a goth girl or uh, her previous gimmick as a cheerleader before she was corrupted? Hey man. Gotta give it to you. Her goth look. I'm not really into goth chicks, but oh my gosh, she she could tra- she could you know make me go to the dark side oh for a moment. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, like okay, so for me, dude, there's one thing. <laughs> Snark says goth mommy definitely. Oh All right. my. He gets it. He's a man of. He gets it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he is a man of fine, uh, fine hot topic tastes. Oh my god. <laughs> and oh. I'm not normally into them either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, um, what I was gonna say is what I totally am fucking so over is all these basic white chicks wearing these flat brimmed big round hats you know what i mean yeah like in the way at the angle they wear it 
it blocks fucking no sun. Yeah. I'm like, just stop! Just stop with the fucking stupid hats. You don't look cute in them. It looks like an awkward sombrero the way you're wearing it. Oh my god. Just fucking stop with these stupid hats. Holy oh. fuck! It's like a yarmulke with a brim, with the way they wear it, because it's on the back of their fucking heads. It covers nothing, like, it's, I, I don't give a fuck. It's like when, it's like when people wear the fucking beanies, but they have it rolled up above their ears. I'm like, what the fuck are you trying to keep yeah. warm? So, it's not a fucking fashion statement. You look like a goddamn idiot. I'm getting mad now. I know. It's drawing real heat right now. <laughs> It's funny, when you say yarmulke with a brim, have you ever seen the, uh, the, the meme where it says, it's the, uh, it's the Yankee with no brim. No? Oh, damn. So it's basically a base, uh, uh, New York Yankees hat, but without the, the brim on it. It's literally just the, the part that goes over your head. It was a weird, it was a weird time in memes, but all I could think of is, it's the yarmulke with the brim. Yeah. So anyways, um, this, again, controversial decision either way. If House of Black retained, it kind of buries the acclaimed. But I think we got the best outcome here because now this can let them free the House of Black. So, <clears throat> Aleister Black, or Malachi Black, sorry, yeah. Aleister Black was his name in WWE. Um, <laughs> Malachi can now go on a singles run and go for a title and uh, Brody and Buddy can go on a tag team run still be all associated with each other kind of like the elite exactly yeah. with Omega and the Young Bucks mm -hmm. but now they're they're set to go on two different paths and it's, what's cool is you can you can highlight more House of Black because of these different opportunities. That's very true. You, you know, when you have them as a trio, you only get one match out of them. But now, if they can go off and do their separate things, you can get you a get, solo. You get more double. of the House of yeah. Black while they're still a stable. Yeah. If Alistair goes out and does a, or not Alistair, Malachi goes out and does a singles match, he can still be escorted by them, and vice versa. Yeah. So it's not like they're broken up by any means. Um, and I think it increases their star power by doing this. I mean, yeah, no, you have you 100% right with that. Because, I mean, if you're just limiting them to a trios match, they're not going to get the exposure that somebody, like a group like the Elite gets, where Kenny Omega has his own solo matches. Um, the... Uh, it's the Young Bucks, right? Yeah. The Young Bucks have their um, their tag team matches and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They also have matches where all of them are together. Yeah, and, and like same goes with Hangman too. Yeah. Like Hangman. Hangman and Kenny Omega were tag team champs for a while. They actually that was an interesting storyline. They beat the Young Bucks for the titles. Really? Yeah, it was really really interesting at that time. Oh wow. But anyways, we're gonna go ahead and stop recording the audio in three, two, one. Resistance. 
This was such a wild match. Yes, and this was also another one that was very controversial, with a lot of people loving it and a lot of people hating it. Really? Yeah, it was MJF versus Adam Cole for the AEW World Championship. I can't see the controversy in it. It was... The controversy yeah. was the buddy-buddiness in and out of the match. The, the, the comedy spots. I get it, but the thing is, this is it's not new to wrestling. It's you know? not. But because of how serious of the stakes it was, and again, this is the largest main event You're right, to yeah. ever take place. Yeah. The real hardcore critics wanted it to be taken hardcore. Like, absolutely serious, like, uh, like fucking Duel of the Fates serious. But, let's talk about the entrances. Adam Cole was out first, yeah. right? When his shit, when his music popped, huge pop from the crowd. And, and when his song hit the boom, yeah. you heard everyone go... BOOM! Like as loud as they could. I know, it was great. And I would love to, to, have, been to have been there yeah. to hear that. Because from what I've heard, people said they could feel everyone saying it at once. Like it reverberated through their body. Yeah. And then MJF, of course, came out in his devil shtick, mm-hmm. you know, on a throne being rolled out. With all these like uh, women in white, um, bowing to him. Like what? End. What were they wearing? Like togas? So just like Kinda, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like devil masks and like bowing down as soon as he like rolled past them. Yeah. But then he took his mask off and then his his theme music hit like normally because before it was orchestral um, theme music mm-hmm. and um, he had a smile on his face because it's funny. I, I thought it was funny that. Or, I thought it was interesting that he came out as the devil when late, lately throughout this entire summer, pretty much, he had been babyface. Yeah. So I was like, hmm, interesting. Since he's coming out as a devil, maybe he's going to be the one to cross Cole or Adam Cole. But as we got into the match, <sighs> this shit had layers on layers on layers. I know. And there w- they had me hook, line, and sinker. Dude, I... Look, for you guys who aren't, uh, aren't you know, casually... Not casually. Religiously watching it, like Nick has. And watching it casually, or haven't watched it casually, like I have. This match was insane because like the layers were thick enough to the point where even I could notice it. Yeah. And it was crazy. So storyline has been, you know, they they had a one-on-one match against each other earlier on in the summer and it went to a draw because they hit the 30 minute time limit. Yeah. Adam Cole had MJF pinned for the one, two, three, but when the ref hit three, it had reached 30 minutes and one second. So it was draw, MJF retained, and then um, throughout the summer, 
AEW had a blind tag team um, tournament. So where they were basically drawing out names as they do with like a fucking lottery. They had the whole spinning basket thing and all. They had been drawn as a tag team. And at the beginning of this whole thing, they had each planned on turning on each other. Yeah. And backstabbing one another, etc., etc., because of the disdain they had for each other. And then they started to develop this bromance. And it was absolutely wonderful. And it was corny and cartoony as shit, but it was just brilliant the way it all played out. Yeah. And they ended up losing in the final round of the tournament against FTR. It was the title match. And they lost. And everyone thought, oh, fuck. Now this is where they break up. But thankfully, they didn't. And the story continued. They became friends even more and so on and so forth. And then obviously, as we had said earlier in this breakdown, they had won the AE, or I'm sorry, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. Against the Aussie Open? Against Aussie Open. Yeah. And now they're going one-on-one against each other for the belt. As friends. You would think. Right. But then, out of nowhere... The lat like the person you would think not to turn turned halfway. I'm gonna say half turn because yeah. Adam Cole ripped into MJF and was right? was doing heel shit like pulling MJF's hair, getting the ref in the way. Um, the table. The announcer table. Yeah, where MJF was going to do that to Cole, but decided not to, yeah. and then Cole decided to do it to MJF. It was a tombstone pile driver. Yeah. There's a lot of moments. I mean, like there that. was so many moments in this match where it could have easily ended one way or another. A lot of false finishes. Mm-hmm. And then MJF showing how durable of a fucking bastard he is. Jesus Christ. Like Adam Cole did a lot of fucking spicy shit. I won't deny that. Yeah. Shit that could have really hurt MJF. Yeah, I mean, there was a suplex on the ring apron where MJF landed, like, pretty much on his neck. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was was pretty brutal. And the thing is, MJF fucking got up again. Yeah. Every single fucking time. What was the one where uh, MJF was, like, literally... At nine, and then jumps back into the ring. Was that yeah. the um, apron? Uh, no. I which one Adam was. Cole, I think, had done the. Um... Oh God, what's his fucking signature? He had Panama Sunrise. He had done the Panama Sunrise where he like jumped down, grabbed him, flipped him over. Oh yeah. And he did that on the outside of the ring. And that, that was devastating. But here's the deal with that. Mm-hmm. You cannot win a championship match via count out. Yeah. You know, the champ will retain the title. So, you know, Adam, um, MJF got back in the ring at like 9.99. Yeah, oh, and the thing is the ref was pissed with Adam Cole. 
He's like, get your ass back in the fucking ring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, and then, yeah, Adam Cole did the, uh, what was the thing that they normally do on the rope where they have the legs on the rope and then they slam them on the ground on their head? Because he did that to MJF as well. Right, off, yeah. Off the, the freaking um, the fence. Right. And, I mean, you had two spots where the ref got hurt. Yeah. You know, Bryce... Bryce Ramsberg, I think that's how you say his name, um, got hurt twice in this match. And the, the second one being the most crucial was when um, MJF was going for a Panama Sunrise again. And You mean Apple? Yeah, that's what I said, right? You said MJF? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Adam Cole was going for a Panama Sunrise. And the ref got in between MJF and Adam Cole. Yeah. And Adam Cole, in the middle of his momentum grabbed the ref and did it to the ref albeit halfway-ish but still and i mean refs you know got, they're, they're, not- they're 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 fragile <laughs> they're very fragile yeah. and so he was out and then they did the whole eddie guerrero spot with the chair where they were like as soon as this ref stands up they're gonna see one of us with the chair and one of us on the floor yeah so they were like hot potatoing the chair back and forth <laughs> and then mjf um, tossed it to Adam Cole. Adam Cole tossed it back to MJF, and then like the ref dropped. Is starting to get yeah, out. and and Adam Cole dropped to the ground, and MJF was like, "Well, fuck it," and he opened up the chair, put his head through it, and, and then, then laid down. Yeah, oh, and then man. Adam Cole was like, "Oh shit, man!" <laughs> and so. Oh. Yeah, they, they eventually got out of that spot and everything, and uh, MJF ended up uh, rolling up Adam Cole at the 1-2-3. Um, oh no, actually, they had double, they had clotheslined each other at the same time, mm-hmm. and both pinned each other at the same time. Adam Cole, uh, I mean, the ref had called it, said it was a draw. Um, the ring announcer had said it was a draw and then Adam Cole begged MJF for five more minutes which is exactly what he did when they drawed the first time and the first time MJF said no and and then left the arena this time MJF said no five more minutes isn't enough we're we're still going or we're not going to stop until there's a winner in fucking Wembley Stadium and the crowd went nuts (laughs) nuts <laughs> and when we were watching it i was like no 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 not like this yeah. <laughs> not like this and then when he said that i was like holy shit they're gonna keep going oh, and they they restarted the match and it continued mjf pulls out the ring yeah puts it on but then just could not do it he takes it off mm-hmm. and puts it back in his fucking and then underwear. fucking roderick strong comes out, low blows MJF. God, what a bitch. And then another time comes out and gives Adam Cole the AEW championship belt. Yeah. To hit MJF with. And Adam Cole didn't do it that time. Mm-hmm. And he ended up losing like almost immediately right after that. MJF retained. And you got this scene where Adam Cole was in the corner like pretty much crying 
about losing and was really mad. Yeah. And MJF came to console him and was like, being a fucking sweetheart. It was like, that's consoling him and stuff. Yeah. It's so out of character for MJF. Right. Yeah. Because this whole story arc has, has, you've seen the evolution of MJF learn to accept friendship and love and, and so on and so forth. And MJF was like, just, just wait, just wait. Let me show you this. And then he goes out of the ring, grabs their Ring of Honor tag team titles, gives M, uh, Adam Cole's his, and goes, look it. Look it, you're still a champ. You're still leaving a champ. And Adam Cole gets mad and throws a fit. Yeah. And then MJF goes, you didn't really even fucking care about me, did you? And all of this, like, starts to boil up, and you're like, oh my god, this is it. Fuck, 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 like, fuck. Not now. No. And, and you're just like, in, like, in classic wrestling fashion, this is where it all ends, and it starts another feud. Yeah. And then MJF grabs the title, throws it or gives it to Adam Cole, I can't remember. And MJF turns his back to Adam Cole, puts his hands up, and is just like, do it. Yeah, he said, this is what you wanted, right? Just get it over with. Yeah. Like, get it over like with. Like, hit me with the title. And then, the, what's that dude, that other dude that fucking did the Roderick Strong. Comes back out, and he's like, do it! Do it! You can do it! <laughs> oh, wait a Do it. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> and Adam Cole is just standing there, ready to go, and then starts con- contemplating it. Yeah. And eventually doesn't do it. Roderick Strong fucks off. MJF and Adam Cole hug it out. That was by far the best moment. Yeah. They just like, they drop everything and they're just like, is this really happening? Yeah. And then hug it out. And it was, and the, I was not expecting that. The saga continues. Yeah. I was not expecting that at all. Yeah. Honestly, they very, they, 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 they did a great job with subverting your expectations with that match. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everyone knew it was going to be a really good match. But the kicker was, is it going to end here? Yeah. Or maybe later on? Who knows? Who's going to turn on who? Yeah. Is there going to be a turn? So now... Maybe there's a permanent new tag team. Not permanent, but long, <laughs> long term. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, MJF is still world champ, and they are the Ring of Honor world yeah. tag team champs. Yeah. All in all, I give that match like a 9.7 out of 10. I'll agree. 9.7, maybe even 9.8. I'll agree. Yeah, it was highly entertaining throughout. Kept me on my toes the entire time. And yeah. then the afterwards shenanigans was even better. It was highly entertaining, but also, like, wrestling-wise, a really good match, too. Yeah. Because there was no, like, dull moments. No, not at all. Like, the moves are really good. The antics were on point. They weren't over overly done. But they weren't too little either. Yeah. Yeah. So, overall, AW All In, score wise, what do you give it? I'd say the 9.5. It's 
sick answer. Yeah. Like 0.5. Oh yeah. I yeah. maybe 9.6. Yeah. And the reason being is because not a single match was bad. Right. For me, I'm gonna give it like a 9.2. Okay. There were some cases where certain things under delivered. Okay. And like I said before with like the FTR match and a couple other things I didn't totally like. Mm-hmm. So I give it a 9.2 out of 10. Which is still not fucking bad at all. That's a it's that is a A. That yeah. is a A grade. Um this was the world's largest ever um professional wrestling match paid attendance of all time etc etc it's an absolutely wonderful time I felt really weird watching a pay-per-view in the morning <laughs> after it was over I was like what do I do now because normally it's like it would be like this time when it's over and I'm like okay well I guess I'm going to bed now yeah but I had the rest of the fucking day ahead of me um, hey, and I said what I I did what I said in the last podcast. I stayed the night. I stayed the night here to watch it, and it yep. was fucking worth it. We had donuts and energy drinks in the morning, <laughs> provided by the wife. Um, yeah, no, it was just a great time. And now I've got to go back to work. No, no. What I'm saying is now I got to watch tomorrow night oh, and yeah. see what the. Because tomorrow night is the go-home show for All Out. Yeah. So you do one pay-per-view, one week of programming, and then Another pay-per-view. the same week a pay-per-view. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see how they build up All Out in one week. Hey, I mean, if they do just as good with as they did with this pay-per-view, mm-hmm. you won't be disappointed. Well, yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like... Hopefully, nobody compares All Out to All In, because All In was a spectacle event. Yeah. All Out is now back in the States at a smaller arena. It's going to be like 10,000 people attending. No, that's true, but at the same time, it's like, you got to think about the writing-wise. Right, but that's the thing. There's been very poor build to All Mm. Out. So I'm very interested to see what they're going to do that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. We're not going to do any gameplay. We've been streaming for about three hours now. This took us four fucking ever. Um, <laughs> make sure to subscribe. Like the, the page and stuff. Check us out over at Facebook as well. Link in the description. You can find us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify and um, obviously here on YouTube as well. Make sure to subscribe, like the stream, click that bell for notifications so you know when we go live. Next, we'll be back live on Thursday. Um, The worst day. Yeah, two days from now would be the, what, 31st? Is there 31 days in in August? We'll look it up. Wait, hurry. I'm doing the promo now. It's uh, 31 days, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be live August 31st, 2023 at 7 o'clock p.m. Arizona time for Thursday night throwdown. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to call it. Yeah. 
Alright, hope you enjoyed the rundown of AEW All In, and we will catch you guys in the next one. Thank you.